on this episode of the Star Wars Time Show! Matt Nick will kick things off with some official Star Wars on Disney Plus information because this source is coming straight from the mouse. They'll then dive into their latest Star Wars fanboy special topic, which deals with the concept of what if Dave Filoni was involved in the sequel trilogy in his new CCO role? How would the movies remain the same, or would they have been different? If these are the fake Star Wars scenarios you've been pondering, you will not be disappointed this week. Just know the movies will never change. This is just a silly exercise in what-if-isms. Of course, the show will end with the question of the week responses and the latest round of top five Star Wars fan artist features. Ponchy Chewy. Welcome back to the Star Wars Time Show, everyone. It's great to see the two of you here. Shout out to J-O-D. Get some. Bat. Get some. First in the live stream. Remember, friends, if you want to get into the live stream fun, it's usually Tuesdays, 5P-ish, E-S-T, YouTube.com, slash Star Wars Time Show. <laughs> you know, Nick, I was listening to my buddy today, Howard, right, and... Fred really shined in the episode, and I always, uh, I always lament that we don't have a, f- a dedicated Fred. It's just like <laughs> it was just—it's just such random shit that he adds to the show through sound drops. And I know, you know, we tried the soundboard; it was stupid, uh, but it was just—it was hilarious. Like he, he was doing a bit where they're making fun of Jada Pinkett Smith talking about Will so much and all these talk shows. So Howard's like, bah, 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 bah. and then Fred finds a sound fix where it's like, bah, 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 bah. and then it gets into that song where it's like, but they're just doing, bah, 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 bah. I was like, all right, I know it makes sense to no one here unless you listen to that episode, but it is fun. And I want a Fred, but we don't have one. We got Nick and Matt in the SWTS HQ rocking it out this week. We got some official star Wars to get to like legit, official star wars and the funny thing is it's the same shit we've been feeding you right here from the swts but no one ever believes us because we're stupid uh, and we're back with our was this third or fourth special topic in a row all right yep there's a reason for this people seem to dig it, it gives us some clips to put out there that have more or less died off we we had our run of getting some clip juice that's all killed probably because I mostly do it now, and I am a cancer when it comes to anything Star Wars, time show, Star Wars itself, or posting to social media, so maybe I can convince Nick to do a few, because he seemed to have the magic touch. He is a pro when it comes to marketing to you fools digitally online, so we'll see, but don't forget to check that shit out. YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, some flavor of Star Wars time in a show. All right, that, that's how we roll. Or just go to StarWarsTime.net. You know what I mean? You can get all the goods there. We even have a TikTok link on there now because we are awesome. <sighs> all right, so I'm excited to get into the special topics. It could be a fun one. could get a little dicey here, all right? So don't, don't, don't get ready to cancel us because we're going to be talking about the sequel trilogy. In fact, we're going to be pitching what would, they, what would they have been like if Dave Filoni was CCO 
and actually involved at the inception of these projects uh, versus what we got. And just to kind of set that up a little bit, we're not we're not trying to make wholesale changes and just go, oh, Dave would have came in and whatever George was going to do, he would have gave Bob the double bird and just ran with that script. No, we're, we're, that, 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 that's too easy. We're, we're, we're going to try to not make wholesale changes as we infer what Filoni might have said to these these three or four different writers way back, what, shit, probably 2013 at this point in time yeah. when they sat down to, to talk about these movies. So um, it, it should be fun. We're going to talk about all three films. Obviously, TFA is not going to get a lot of love. Uh, the, the middle one. I know some of you, it, it rubs you the wrong way. It's why you canceled Star Wars and hate Disney and want to kill Mickey Mouse. So there, there'll be things to say there. And then obviously we'll end with the shittiest of the three, Tross, and, and kind of, you know, take a dump on that one. Because I mean, quite frankly, I don't care what you think about Luke or anything. Uh, the, the Rise of Skywalker is a complete tire fire from a narrative standpoint. It, it, it just makes this disconnected sequel trilogy feel even more disconnected and uh, farcical as al michaels likes to say uh, <laughs> but before we get there you know how we roll we got to go around the pop culture universe let you know what is fun to get into or stay away from obviously if you're like nick and i or you know i, I would say if you're aged 18 might even be too young nick but you never know 18 to, <laughs> to 50 18 to 55, you, you probably are aware that the GTA 6 trailer got leaked and then therefore was released officially yesterday. Uh, so that, that's a huge thing in pop culture, not just gaming. Like, like GTA is, right, Nick? G, GTA is a pop culture icon. Am yeah, I, am I, I wrong or right? Am I right or am I wrong? It's, it's definitely the game that has like penetrated pop culture outside of just like the gamer sphere more than anything else. And I think that Rockstar has kind of found a way to do that with other titles too, like with Red Dead Redemption, specifically Red Dead 2. Like Red Dead 2 hit a portion of the population and just for a heads up, I've never played it. Um, Me neither. <laughs> like I, I, I have no desire to play it, it either. It was too, like, too much work, too much horse bullshit. I just want to get in cars, loot people, beat people on the street, fly away, ride dirt bikes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like I, you know, th they've just found a formula where they can grab the attention of people who typically don't play video games with what they do. And GTA was the first one to do that. Yeah. I mean, for me, like I haven't played a GTA game like in any significant fashion since vice city, like didn't play San oh, Andreas. Really? At, so so yeah, you no. skipped four and five, like the actual, I, not, I mean, I didn't cubic, play, not cubic, uh, graphics GTA. Like I, I played GTA three, which was the first PS two release. And that was the one that, that brought GTA into Correct. like the 3d realm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then I played vice city. But after that, like to be completely honest with you, GTA is a very monotonous game and they're all the same. Like you can say whatever you want about like, oh, there's a different main character. It's all the same bullshit. So like once San Andreas, I like I had no interest in San Andreas. I forgot that GTA 4 was actually a game because I thought that either Vice City or San Andreas no, was, was GTA the, the 4. The European guy was GTA 4. Yes, no clue. And then um, GTA 5, I only played it online with my friends um, who were like back in Louisiana. We would like play the GTA online portion of it. 
So GTA to me is just like, yeah, it's like fun to sit there and drive around in cars, I guess. But like, I just don't have an interest in that type of game um, because it doesn't like all it does is just put me back on the streets that I walk every day anyway. And it, it it's like there's no fantasticism or escapism that's within that game other than the fact that you just. What, you don't shoot people. You, yeah, you don't like <laughs> driving around and murdering innocents and, and robbing shit and getting yeah, it's money. Like, <laughs> I would rather if I'm gonna do that, I would rather do it in, in another type of game. Yeah. Like Nick, Nick wants yeah. to kill people in space. Yeah. Like I, I guess I mean so. here's the here's the deal. I obviously being the age that I am, I I'll never forget the, the coming of GTA three and you know all, all the the, the goofy religious shit out there like oh it's gonna make people crazy you remember all that yo this is terrible yeah. this is why the youth are going out and killing and raping it's these video games it has nothing to do with life in general and you know what though i'm, I'm kind of like you it, it never quite tickled my fancy until san andreas i don't know what it was about san andreas i don't know if it was you know, you was rotated it you could ride a bicycle. Who the fuck knows? I, I just it, the, the shit sucked me in. I, I fully beat the campaign. I, I dicked around in the online for a little bit. But as you were saying, kind of tying this back to, to Rockstar, Rockstar has excelled at creating franchises that people will spend decades in. I mean, GTA five, Nick, it's probably 10 years old at this point in time, if not more. And motherfuckers still play it every single day, at least the the online version. And and of course, this trailer coming out also shows the power of this franchise. I mean, it it was the the, the buzz of the Internet yesterday. Uh, and of course, today it's it's the the darling or the bastard of, of Reddit, thanks to all the trolls out there that do not like that GTA six is going to have a female protagonist. Hey, it's like it's like we're talking about a Star Wars project. That, that's pretty much par for the course these days. If 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 your game, your movie, your TV show is going to have a female protagonist or people of color in it that are actually in the screen and you can see them and they might play a a major role it's woke. Okay. So just, just to let you know, if you're in that crowd, you might as well not even watch GTA six trailer because your, your, your woke meter is going to blow your fucking eyes out of your skull. Um, to me though, I love it. I mean, GTA six, it's going back to vice city, back to where Nick ended his adventure in GTA. Uh, you're the, the main character is Lucia and it, it almost looks like you're gonna be like dual mains. It's like her and a boyfriend almost, but I, I, I believe you play as, Lucia and and because it is set in Vice uh, I'm sorry yeah Vice City aka Miami yeah uh, you, you look around Nick and the NPCs they they they're it's not a bunch of white people it's like well yeah it's uh, in Miami so that's a very heavy Latin population and it's like what's wrong with people but why I I don't know why we even asked that question we know what's wrong with people it was the M A G A movement and social media. That has allowed motherfuckers to collectively get together and scream into their echo chamber and make themselves feel better about whatever is sucking at their soul. So I'm I'm digging it. I, I think GTA 6 looks pretty fantastic. Sadly, it's two years away almost. I mean, 2025, you PC master racers are going to be upset because they're only as of right now, releasing it for PS5 and Xbox One, Two, Three, Four, Five, Six, Seven, Eight, Nine, whatever fucking uh, you, you know letter or number combo they want to give it to. So 
Um, if you haven't checked it out, check it out. It, it's pretty funky. The only thing that I'm a little worried about, Nick, and this just shows my age and my inability to master it, is based on the trailer, it looks like there's a lot of social media shit that, that the younger generations live and die by is going to be built into this game. Like taking fucking verticals, um, you know, live streaming yourself, robbing mm. banks and shit. I'm just like, I, I don't know about that. Hopefully it's not too pervasive in the gameplay, but uh, for the most part, it, it looks like a juicy title that a primo dev has been working on for probably five or six years at this point in time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've, they, They've probably been, I mean, five or six years at the minimum for sure. Didn't Nick, didn't the, didn't the, the code get breached last year? Like the game code got, got hacked into. I think I remember something like that. Rockstar had like a, like a breach of, of its, I don't know if, if if it was of its data warehouse or, or whatever, but there was a, like a general Rockstar breach where they did find some of the source code for GTA six and. I don't know if anything ever came from it. I mean, obviously the game itself didn't leak because they would have had, it would be all over the place now. So, um, you know, like I think that for Rockstar, they know their bread and butter and they also know that like the, the turnover rate for gamers as they get older for their games is pretty high. And I think that they've, they've addressed that with the red dead franchise. Like, the Red Dead franchise is like what you're supposed to graduate to in Rockstar <laughs> Land after you're just like GTA's boring or like, like GTA's just, goes just to not show for I'm me a anymore. moron because Red Dead was there, there was it wasn't quick enough for me. You know, it was like yeah. it's a little, little too slow, a little too 19th century. Yeah, but I, I like I don't know. It's just like I'm not trying to shit on the game or anything, but like I watched it and I was like, okay, it looks like every other GTA game that I'm not gonna play. Um but it's like it is. It's you a know game you that like that twerking. There's a lot of twerking. Spent twerking did, like, on car I, hoods, twerking in strip clubs. I guess I only saw the car hood one. Um, <laughs> but I did see that apparently that was like uh, people were talking about that a lot. But yeah, yeah I mean, like I, I, I remember just, from She-Hulk, Nick, you can't twerk. It's woke. OK, you can't like. Yeah. She-Hulk caught a bunch of flack because there's twerking in it. So twerking That's so also equals woke now. Just for people that are keeping score on what's woke or what's not woke, add that to your your tally. I mean, here here's what's realistically going to tell you if if this is actually going to have an effect on it is the sales. Like the sales of the game are going to be, out, like, you know, every incredible. one of these fucking shitheads are going to buy it. Okay, it, it, it's probably just like every other GTA. It's probably going to clear five to six hundred mil week one. I mean, that's, probably so. That's yeah. what the last one did, I believe. Do you know, um, I don't really want to get down this path. Did COD this year have a, a 500 a uh, half bill release no, like they do every year? I haven't played a COD game in 15 yeah, years. Me neither, but like, I, 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 still no think, I still think every November Activision's like, hey, crank, o- crank open the uh, COD ATM. It's time for an infusion of a half a bill. Uh, yeah, that, that's I, what I that know. game did <laughs> year in and year out. Every COD iteration would be, oh, you want, you want a $500 million? Okay, here you go. Oh, Modern Warfare 3 was the one that released this year. What do we get? Any, any figures here? Um, apparently, it was awful. I'll okay. say that because okay. the, the reviews on it are shit. Fails. Yeah, Bat, Bat's saying here in the chat, games are like, yeah, they're getting up to 70. I love when, I love when Nintendo 
has the gall to charge $70 for its games, which are a generation behind the consoles at this point in time. But that's that's Nintendo. They get away with it because they are so niche and they create that unique experience that yeah. people can't get away from. I mean, that that's Nintendo had the best ever business model. Like, hey, let's get these fuckers born in the 70s and 80s addicted to this shit. And they will never let it go. Through, I mean, through nostalgia, they'll pass it on to their kids, and we got them for generations. It's it's definitely they have the best understanding of their market and how to create content for them that that they'll actually come after. So apparently, the GT or the the COD Modern Warfare 3 2023 release um, sales figures were 25 percent below what they were for the last release. Right, so, so not around not like. Good. Like two or three hundred mil. Yeah, that that that's that's rough. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just like for for a franchise, especially for a franchise like that, where like you're literally like Modern Warfare Two, Modern Warfare Three. Those were games that literally were already released. Like they developed and released those games what ten years ago or something like that, and now they've run out. They have literally developed so many games that they are just renaming. That, like the that's game after the key. what they've already done. Nick, you're right. It, it is mostly a rename because they're not just recreating Modern War 2 or 3. That it is a bit different, but they're using the same fucking uh yeah. monikers, which is which is odd. But oh oh well. Moving on into the pop culture universe, as I promised you all last week, I had to get my fat ass out to a movie. I am a big fan of of history films, especially if war is involved. So I want to go see Napoleon before it hit Apple TV Plus because I'm a lazy ass and I have AMC Plus or whatever the fuck it's called. So it was free anyways. And I will tell you, I I didn't know a ton. I knew the basics on Mr. Bonaparte. I mean, obviously, being a short man, I'm very well aware of the Napoleonic complex. Okay, Uh, they they don't really focus in on that in this film. But I, I will say in terms of pure just kind of consuming history of that era about this man. I think the film does a, a very good job. All right. Very good job. Like I had no clue this dude got exiled twice. Like literally France kicked him out once. He's like, I'm bored. I want to come back and was able to muster up the army again against whatever, you know, people took control. And the other thing I didn't realize is how much death this guy was responsible for in the world at that time when we did not have weapons of mass destruction, Nick. I mean, in in his time commanding France's forces and at times he also was commanding parts of of Europe's forces he was I guess you have to say directly responsible for three million deaths and I'm talking when all you had were muskets and rudimentary mortars and cannons and and you still used cavalry charges you still like assholes lined up and just fucking (laughs) used bodies as walls all right they're dead you go (laughs) yeah it's like now you step up to get shot (laughs) yeah and and if you think about that like in that time we're, we're talking late 1700s turn of the 18th century no no gas powered vehicles all marching all horses still this dude and his ambitions literally spent 3 million lives that is that is impressive that is, that is. impressive um but here's the thing it's like i i don't i thought uh, Joaquin was was pretty darn good as as expected i mean he the, the guy's a little goofy but He's also an excellent actor, and that's usually most excellent actors are a little off. Okay, yeah. it, it it did feel 
it felt like the edit was a little weird. You know, it's like we they, they would jump timelines or just jump from, oh, we're at a battle now. We're here. How did that happen? What's really going on here? Was Napoleon this big of a cuck? So on and so <laughs> forth. Uh, but uh, hey, I'll, I'll tell you what. I wouldn't say if for if you are a history buff, go see it in the movies. Otherwise, yeah. you can probably save it for its Apple TV Plus debut. It's still going to be quality to watch at home. Uh, but Ridley Scott, not so great. He's kind of like a George, right? Not so great at giving direction and yeah. and and maybe providing a, a good edit to his editors, but always great at at action and, and war like visuals, right? I mean, this is still the guy that did gladiator, all that shit. So the, the battle scenes are fucking excellent. Uh, I mean, seeing Napoleon and his brilliance in action is, it really is kind of cool to see if you are into, you know, war games and, and the strategy of war, so on and so forth. So there you go. A few things to check out in your pop culture life. Huh. <sighs> All right, buddy, you want to get right into the Star Wars? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, All let's right. do it. Let's, let's get into it. what's happened this week in Star Wars, which is basically nothing. <laughs> not know? much, not much, but we're it, it's starting, right? The um, You know, that steam valve was finally loosened a little bit after both strikes were resolved, last one early November here. So we are finally starting to get some of the official word out again. Press, le- press releases are coming out again. And in fact, we got one this week. That more or less confirms what we have been telling you. You know, last week we we had that article from Empire saying, oh, there's going to be three shows next year. Andor's one of them. And we're both kind of like, you know, pump the brakes on that, people. Like, I don't know if the intern wrote this, AI wrote it, or they just can't read the fucking map. But there's there's no way Andor is ever going to be ready for 24. It's just it's impossible. Never finish principal, which means you still got to do a shoot. Then you still got to do post to get it ready to go. So it just wasn't going to happen. And we've always been telling you, like, this is more than likely what's going to go down 24. You're going to get Skeleton Crew because that was ready to rock. And then you're probably going to get Acolyte and obviously Bad Batch and Tails. Well, Nick, we no longer have to play Nostradamus. Mm. All right. We can we can tell SWTS Nation here the truth, the official word coming out of Disney Plus, straight from Lucasfilm. This was a press release essentially teasing all the series coming out in 2024, not just Star Wars, but there's always time for Star Wars time, so we're only going to focus on this shit. All right, so Lucasfilm, in 2024, guaranteed the Acolyte and Skeleton Crew. Yeah, okay, makes sense. So here's, here's the tricky thing, Nick, and, and this kind of comes from... Our buddies over at Bestman Bulletin and, and Jason over at Making Star Wars here. Um, I've been the one beating the drum for Skeleton Crew is is fucking done, right? It, it's it's gold, as they say. It's ready to rock, load it into the, the, the Blu-ray player, stream it to the nation. Well, according to people out there that, that you know, they're in the know, Lucasfilm Connections, reading the tea leaves... It's now sounding like, and BB Bestman Bulletin reported this back in September before this report even came out, and now Making Star Wars is confirming it, but they're both hearing that Skeleton Crew is actually going to be held until essentially this time next fall. So, Nick, it sounds to me as if they are, they're going to stick to 
the original time of year they wanted to release it just a year later, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it makes sense because the reason that they're probably doing that is so it can have a direct lead into one of the other properties that it is directly like linked to. Which, you know, probably Mando season four. Mando season like. four, probably. Yeah, I mean... Ahsoka season two is still an up in the air thing. We have no idea if that's going to happen. So likely not going to lead into an Ahsoka season two, but yeah, correct. Like Mando season four, we know is going to be involved with, you know, the, the Thrawn stuff. We know it's going to be involved with what's happening, uh, from the Ahsoka series that we've seen. And we also know that skeleton crew is linked with that kind of Mando verse, uh, trilogy the pirates for sure. I mean, the, yeah, the pirates we saw in, in Mando season three, they're supposed to play a hand. There's potential for Hondo. You never know. But think about it this way. I mean, we, we, we know Skeleton Crew is going to be the most kid-centric show to date. That promotes family viewing. What if families most likely tend to get around the holiday season? So I think their plan was always to have this as a late fall release so we could watch it during Thanksgiving, maybe let it trickle all the way up to Christmas, something like that, so they could get kind of that 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 family bonding feel over it, since it wasn't necessarily going to be your, you know, your mom and pop's Star Wars. You know, it's not going to be in Ahsoka where, you know, my, my kid dug it with a lowercase d, but it wasn't necessarily blown away by it. I mean, it, it hurts my Star Wars soul that, that my kid more or less has moved on just ain't ain't her thing right i'm not gonna beat it into her fucking head it kind of sucks i thought i did enough and just osmosis would have worked but she just doesn't get it in get it anymore but i do think if if the show was with kids on an adventure she would tune in because i i see some of the shit she watches and it's it's god awful (laughs) crap and she loves it she loves it like you know these shitty low effort european christmas movies on netflix they're so bad, but she'll sit there and be like, oh, yeah, well, the kids, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> some, like she's watching some holiday Christmas farm movie set in England yesterday. It was <laughs> horrendous, but watched the whole thing and thoroughly enjoyed it. So I, I do think Skeleton Crew was probably always meant to be that, hey, let's, let's save it for family time, the holidays when, when people are kind of gathering. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see how this show goes because... It's in an it's in a weird position. Like it has no characters that you're familiar with in it, at least that have been announced yet. Like obviously Correct. we only know of Jude Law's character and then the kids that are associated with him on that journey. Um, but it will be interesting to see. Like, hey, like leading up to the release of this show, are they going to try to incorporate more of the characters from the Mandoverse in the advertising so people who aren't familiar? with the storyline of this show can ding, ding, ding. like see stuff like, Oh, this is this, that girl Ahsoka, you know, like this is linked to what's going on there. And look, Oh, look, there's the Mandalorian in there too. Like, is this, is this a show that is closely associated with that and try to pull people in that way? So, um, well, it would be smart, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of what you were saying with Ahsoka and, and you know, we pitched a few shows ago, they, they've, they've done a poor job making all this stuff feel cohesive. We're not doing the stingers. We're not doing the lead-ins. There really is no connective tissue unless your name is Matt or Nick and you essentially study this shit like it matters, like it like it really matters. So I, I, am, I agree with you. I, I think the biggest bump you could get with Skeleton Crew is seeing a, a shiny fucking chrome helmet or a little green head. You know what I mean? I mean, that that's instant 
visual recognition. I get the timeline. I get where we're going. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a go. Oh, the guy that did, you know, Spider-Man? Okay, sure. I like those movies, so... Um, I I think Skeleton Crew now it's not as high on my I I want to watch list as the Acolyte because the Acolyte is more more my speed darkness the Sith <laughs> infiltrating trying to infiltrate the Jedi getting a finally getting a Star Wars show where the protagonist is your your usual antagonist you know bad guys winning that excites me but Skeleton Crew on paper is also quite intriguing. As Nick said, it's 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 fresh. And I like fresh Star Wars. I know some people it rubs you the wrong way and it's not your Star Wars and fuck Disney, but some fresh Star Wars is is what we love the most, and its name is The Mandalorian. So let's 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 give it some time. Yeah. I mean let them breathe. Let's let's hold our judgments until we yeah. actually see the shit. I think that I think that what Fans may need to recognize and what, what Disney definitely needs to recognize soon, like we'll have to see how these next few shows go, is that it's very possible that the Mandalorian was an anomaly. Like the Mandalorian had the 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 cachet and the excitement and the viewership mm-hmm. that it does because it was the first ever piece of Star Wars content of its kind. And there is something to say about being a brand new piece of content for a very first to market. Yeah, well, not even first to market, but like for a very well recognized franchise, like people love star Wars and they were like, Oh, star Wars is on TV and it's not just a cartoon. And they were like, okay, like we'll get into it. It's also very possible that like people are only into that show and they don't really fucking care about the stuff that True. is associated with you, it. You are right. It, it, it's hard for people like us, me in particular, to to recognize that. But Nick is 100% right. We all have to remember, we're the anomalies, yeah. okay? <laughs> like, we're, we're the anomalies. Even though we all think everyone should worship at the, you know, the Church of Star Wars, we're the ones that have taken it beyond just being a science fiction program. We're yeah. the ones that have, in some cases, myself included, have kind of based my entire existence around Star Wars and who I am, what I got into, and who I ultimately became. So he he's not wrong. And if you think about Nick, they did the, the perfect thing with the Mandalorian. What'd they do? They picked a guy that looked like Boba Fett but wasn't Boba Fett. That's instantly going to intrigue everybody, even casuals, because they're gonna look at that helmet and go, looks familiar, looks fucking rad. I don't know what it is. I want to check it out. And then what was the the hook, line, and sinker bait at the end. Yeah. The big Grogu reveal. Yeah. That's right. Episode one. That premiere episode may be the greatest TV premiere of all time, if you think about it, because it sucked a ton of people in just based on the the advertising, and then it exploded word of mouth with the Grogu. Oh reveal. yeah, I mean it launched it launched an entire streaming service, and like that's that's something unlike we've ever seen before. You know, like. Hulu was out for years just putting out like, you know, episodes of of network TV that you missed because you don't have cable anymore. And like that was their business model. Their business model was from cable to streaming. That's what Hulu was. 
And it subsisted off of that for a long time. And that's kind of still what Hulu is known for. Netflix was a, was a DVD rental delivery <laughs> mailbox thing. And then when they came out with their streaming service, there was really like people adopted it because they were almost forced to. They were like, Netflix was like, oh, well, we don't have this DVD anymore, but it's on the streaming service. So if you pay for the streaming service, it'll be there. And it was another one where they, there wasn't like one big piece of property that like, launched Netflix's streaming service for the, like for Disney plus the Mandalorian launched that platform to a degree that we had never seen before. And it, it puts like, it puts you in an odd position because it's like, is your expectation that every piece of star Wars content that comes out is now supposed to meet or exceed that level. And I just don't think that that's going to happen. Like, I think that the only thing that will reach the peak Mandalorian like the release Mandalorian fervor would be a made for Disney plus Star Wars movie like a full length film that is yeah well released yeah. only on Disney plus because I like and I bring this up because there's one data project in my head that I've been thinking about for Star Wars and what it is is like I want to essentially track the eyes that are on Star Wars from when TFA released to now and like Basically say like, okay, and TF and <laughs> see the decline, it, but, but it's like what, and maybe that'll make people understand. Like maybe that'll make, maybe if, if people can see like, Hey, in 2015, we had sold X amount of, you know, like TFA made X amount of money in the U S it made a billion dollars just in the U S you know, figure out what average ticket price was for TFA and then you can say this many people in the U.S. saw TFA and then you can see that trend through TLJ, through Rogue, through all of the other movies. And then you do the same thing on the TV side and you can see where your audience has like how your audience has been moving. And like there it is important for people like us to understand where the market is going for Star Wars. And it's also important for the people at Disney and Lucasfilm to understand that too. And I'm sure that they already have those numbers and I'm sure they already understand what yeah, their adoption you would hope. You would hope because if people don't know what he's talking about, data analytics is life now. If you don't employ it in your business, you're going to lose. And I would say at this point, if you don't employ it with some form of AI, you're going to lose. So we, we would hope they've been doing this. Uh, otherwise don't keep talking about it because they're going to steal the idea and then you can't sell yourself to them for a $250,000, a project consultant. So, yeah, you know, you, <laughs> sh- you should be pitching this to, to Jennifer Corbett or the CCO himself, yeah. big Dave Filoni. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, I, cause I think that there's this expectation of, I think uh, of the hardcore fan base that like, Oh, well, people are people are definitely going to watch this because it's linked because it's linked to the Mandoverse or people are definitely going to watch this because this character's in it. But I just don't think that like people like we, we assign too much value to stuff like that. And I think that what we need to understand is that there is a decreasing need for Star Wars or a decreasing desire for Star Wars in pop culture right now, especially on the TV front. And in like the numbers don't lie about that, like the numbers show a declining viewership for star Wars TV over time. And that is also being matched by Marvel's declining TV numbers over time. And it's because you're hitting this point in pop culture where you have too much of one thing. Like 
You want to know why GTA sells a billion dollars in the first week when it comes out? Because a GTA game releases once every 12 years. Like good, good point. You know, <laughs> that's a good, good point. Like uh, when, when a GTA game comes out, it is a, it is a spectacle. It is something that garners the attention of, uh, all gamers or, you know, all people who, who have an eye on pop culture and video games, not just, you know, the, the hardcore gamers, like the people who buy COD every, every year. And I think that's, what's been lost in Marvel and star Wars recently is like, they're no longer events, they're expectations. And when it's an expectation, it's, it's only an expectation for the core fans. Like, and I just don't think that like, people understand I'm with you I um I don't think Star Wars is oversaturated from a TV front but your point still makes perfect sense when it comes to expectations so on and so forth Uh, on the other hand they are doing what you want with the movies. So well, that was, we, un, I don't even know if that was voluntarily. They, they, <laughs> we're, we're, we're going to be talking about that in a yeah. second here, but I, I think when a star Wars movie finally hits theaters again, it will become that huzzah moment. You're I, I do. For I do again. think so. And it's like, it's because it's been so long, like, right. And when it, when it comes back out, well, one, what you're going to have is a mix of familiarity and event because the first movie that's going to come out is the new Ray movie. Um, as far as we know, or or as far as I've seen 15 minutes ago. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about (laughs) in like five minutes. So, So, you know, that's supposed to start filming soon. So like, you're going to have this, this thing where it's like you have familiarity and you have an event again, like you have star Wars in theaters for the first time since 2019. And realistically that film's not going to release till 2025. So it'll be a six year layoff. It's going to be with a character that everybody's familiar with. And it's going to be picking up on a story that everybody knows where it ended. So you have a good mix there. Um, But what, what's happening with the TV realm is we've already kind of talked about that. It's all become very convoluted and hard to follow. So, um, yeah, unless you're a genius like us, but the problem <laughs> is to run a business and to keep getting money to make new projects, you got to convince the, you know, the the non-fanboys. Yeah. All right, you you got to convince the non-fanboys to keep coming back. I, I you know, people like me, I'm greedy. I I want as much as I can get. I want Mando season 4 as soon as possible, but I think the fact that we're now not going to get that until later in 25. Yeah. So we're looking at, again, another two-year break on Mando. That should revitalize that franchise a bit, I, w- I would hope. So uh, sticking with the TV universe, when it comes to the Acolyte uh, coming out of the, the Bestman Bulletin in MSW camp, uh, they're both thinking that this show is now going to kind of slide into that, you know, where Andor released kind of the Ahsoka window late summer, end of summer. Uh, start of fall, which uh, I I guess it can make sense, especially when you consider our last point here. And we're getting a shot on Twitter from Jennifer Corbett, who uh, I I believe she helps run the Bad Batch franchise, if not most of Lucasfilm animation, where she is saying the final mix session for the Bad Batch is done. So that means Bad Batch is pretty much gold, ready to rock. Mm -hmm. And Nick, I, I believe... Now, who knows, because there hasn't been any promo yet, because if, if everyone forgets, we got Bad Batch literally the turn of the year last year. Bad Batch season two, I think, debuted the second week of January. January, oh, January, January. Yeah. 
it was it was as early because I remember I was still on my, my fucking four week break that probably makes people in corporate America want to stab my eyes out. But yeah, I'm, I'm coming up on that, by the way. I got one more week of work after this and I get four weeks and nothing. Nice. And it's not like you suckers where you're like, oh, I'm going to take a few weeks off and you still have to like check thousands of emails every day. You're going to have, you know, inboxing explode. <laughs> not me. I won't get a fucking shit. <laughs> yeah. Academia for the win. Um, so. I could see Bad Batch kind of eating Mando's spot from last year, that that March release. Yeah. Uh, potentially. Because I just, like, Nick, they're not, we're at the holidays now. Do you see them d- launching any legit promo campaign for Bad Batch at this point? Probably not. I mean, there's just, yeah, like, so. unless they already had stuff that Canned. was cut and already created for promotion, they're probably not going to start it now. Like, there's you know, you're less than a month out from the end of the year. People are already starting their, their vacations and stuff like that. Like the, the, the idea of putting out anything meaningful in terms of marketing for a show that could come out in January or February, is just not going to happen. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that release window wise, you're probably pretty close to where we'll see yeah, like Bad Batch. March, March, April, spring something. That'll give us a few months to, to piss around and then Acolyte. Because everyone has to remember, this is a non-celebration year. I, I know it's been a, a bit of time since we've actually skipped a year for celebration. Uh, I believe, yeah, this is a, it's going to be a year skip because it hits Japan in 25. So there's not going to be a big hubbub over the summer this year. Uh, which, you know, maybe they, they reserve Bad Batch for then. And I would assume Tales of the Jedi will probably keep its its springish slot. I believe well, that was almost May the 4th last year. So, uh, But that that's what we got confirmed official coming for Disney Plus in 2024. So Andor, you, you can, like we told you last week, take that shit to the bank. It is not hitting the platform in 24. We're going to start with, it sounds, I'm, I'm going with Bad Batch, Acolyte, Bad Batch, Acolyte Tales, Skeleton Crew. Why not? Let's get fucking crazy. Yeah. Or maybe they do two animated shows back to back. But that's what we're looking at. I'm excited. Remember, Bad Batch Season 3, this is it. So we should get some meaty narrative there, even though I, I still believe they could have taken this another few seasons. So who knows if that's more of what Nick was saying. And it's just it's, it's cost cutting. It's like, hey, we, we, we can't keep the eyes on these motherfuckers. It, it ain't worth it. We're, we're just going to end it now and make sure we have a great story told. Nice, quick three seasons. I think that what they realized with Bad Batch is that people are more interested in stuff like Tales and like Visions, and they're cheaper to produce, and they don't have to do it themselves. Like, <laughs> I, I think Tales is fantastic. Like, I think that is in-house. Visions is yeah, not. Visions Tales, is I believe, is. But Tales is something, and this is another one that I, I don't want to. I don't want to blow our wad too much. But on the special topic journal we keep, I want to. I want to do like, hey, what good Tales of the Jedi candidates, and we can kind of talk about those. And a tease there, one that I think has to happen at this point in time, especially because of where the character was left and the future being so unknown, thanks to death. Balin Skull, perfect fucking candidate for Tales of the Jedi. We're not gonna we're not gonna dive into it because I want to save that for a special topic. But uh, that show is awesome based on what we saw last year. And and remember, like just the the love it gave to Count Dooku, and finally like rounded out his character to where he made complete sense. 
I mean, complete sense, uh, jump and ship what he did, killing Yaddle, all that. It just, it, it felt earned. And that's the crazy part, my friends. They made Dooku's turn felt earned in three mm-hmm. fucking shorts. And we couldn't do that in a two and a half hour long movie. Or a trilogy, for Christ's sake. So <laughs> we're not going down the prequel rabbit hole again today, but just just take that to heart. Think about that. We got a, me- a, a much more clear reason that a Jedi, a very skilled Jedi, a very, you know, uh, a, agile, a Jedi held to very high standards in shorts, it was very clear why he would turn his eye. I mean, it made sense. I was, I was rooting for him to fuck over Mace Windu and them because they're all a bunch of idiots and he could see through the hubris. Um Okay, Nick, Nick kind of teased this one here, so that's good. We'll kind of get through it, and then we'll get right into the fun here of kind of uh, speculating how Dave's influence would have affected the sequel trilogies. But if you were not paying attention, Nick's like, well, it's pretty clear now which movie we're going to get first, as we've been saying all along. But today, from the Film and Television Industry Alliance site, it's a production list site, mm-hmm. a, a, a listing has popped up, Nick, for an untitled Star Wars project, Oboid Chinoy, feature film. Yep. The sequel follows the events of Rise of Skywalker and focus on Rey as she builds a new Jedi Order. So clearly it's the Rey movie. And the important thing here is that it says April 7, 2024 shoot date. Yeah. So some of the weird things about this listing, and obviously we're behind a paywall, so who knows? I don't see Stephen Knight as the writer. That's a little suspect. It's still listing Justin Britton Damon, which they would have to. Like, I'm not stupid. I mean, if you if you contribute anything in Hollywood, you're you're probably still going to get your name in the fucking credits, even if you get fired. So, I mean, j- just look at the end of TFA. I think what's his name, Michael Arnold. Yeah. And, and literally, Arnold, he, he quit. Yeah. He, he didn't write to you. He he started to, and then you know he probably saw the writing. He's like, "Whoa, this is weird. We're not we're not doing a cohesive trilogy. I'm out." But he still got billed as a writer of the film. Yeah. So I guess it's not that big of a deal. But it, this is legit. I mean, this is a real site. So if this is the case, as Nick said, if they are going to start principal in April, that's awesome. Because that means 100% December of 25, we're returning to theaters, or at least people like me, to finally see a fucking Star Wars feature film on that big-ass silver screen. Yeah, I think that 2025 is the most... I mean, like, what usually principal for movies, principal photography for movies takes between three and six months. So that puts you at a, at a latest end date for filming... October of 2024, so October of next year, that gives you a almost a year, yeah, like over a year for post production and marketing. Um, so I think that the most likely release date is is going to be holiday 2025. Um, yeah. I would be super surprised if it was not holiday 2025. Oh yeah, I mean, come on. If Bob hasn't learned his lesson, I mean, the only and and still, I I do believe Solo's problems were because how close it was to TLJ. Because if you think about it, Star Wars releases are typically in May. I mean, the entire prequel released in Mm -hmm. May. I believe the entire original trilogy released in May. They they shifted the sequel to come in the holidays, and it was fantastic. I loved. I'll never forget. 
going to see TFA. My wife's pregnant. She's fucking throwing up because, you know, I'm blowing trees in the car like a like a great husband would. She's puking because the smell's too strong. We go there. I watched a movie and I, I was like, I felt just this this pressure release off my shoulders. I was like, thank God it's good because I was so worried, Nick. I had so much PTSD from my experience with the prequels. Remember, I, I cut myself off of Star Wars. I, I did a Luke. I did an Obi-Wan. I did a Yoda. I, 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 I exiled from the franchise. And then I heard that Disney was going to resurrect it. So I was like, uh-oh, I might, I, it might be time to wheel them back out. Where's Bail Organa to come drag my ass out of this cave? And sure enough, it was JJ. And he did. And TFA gave me so much hope. But it was awesome. It was like, it's Christmas time. New Star Wars. It's actually good. Let's go. I'm going to name my kid after Ray. I mean, it was a fantastic time. So we got to keep it December. I, I love December Star Wars release. Yeah, I think that in December too, you don't have as much competition. And I think people always look at Solo and like the Solo release window was definitely an issue, but they also don't talk about the competition that was in the theaters at that time. Like Endgame had, was either had released a week before or was releasing a week after. Oh wow, that was end. Was that Infinity or Endgame? I, I think it was. I think it was Endgame. Either way, it was. You're probably right. It's probably one of and them. It and it wasn't. The, well, no, it was, it was. It was Infinity War because Infinity War was 2018, and then okay, uh, Endgame was 2019. But it was also Jurassic World. Like there was a Jurassic World thing coming out then too, and then something else. It was like they they placed this movie in the middle of like franchise hell. It was like. You had yeah. Infinity War that came out like right around the same time. It, it was it was so much. It was it was the negativity from TLJ. It was the yeah. negativity it, it from was, the extended production and how much money they had to spend. Ron had to come in and save it. And, and you know how people are. I mean, listen, FUD is a very powerful tool for the weak minded. I mean, look, look what's going on. It, 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 FUD is used all the time. If you don't know what FUD, fear, uncertainty, demand, it, it, you can put shit out there and convince large swaths of the population that bullshit is true. I saw a great graphic on Bango's Instagram today. Essentially, it, it, it polled people asking, hey, do you, do you think things are better now or back then? And everyone answered back then, but they're actually better now. Like I'm talking important shit. Not this woke crap a lot of people get. I'm talking like jobs, economy, shit like that. It's, it's, it's all better now, but if you ask the regular person, Nick, what are they going to say? Fuck Democrats, fuck Joe Biden, they're ruining the economy, inflation's out of control, when everything is, is way better than it was. But that's my point on FUD. And, 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 and you could FUD up even Star Wars. If you put enough bullshit out there, there there's going to be enough people that will not take it upon themselves to go watch it with their own eyes. Or to go experience it, and they'll just be like, "Oh yeah, well, they said it sucks, so it it it, it sucks. It's terrible. Star Wars is over. Han Solo is a commie. <laughs> that type of shit." So it's a very powerful tool. Like I said, when you if you wield it well, you can convince a lot of people of a lot of stupid shit that's not really happening. Yeah. Hey, Nova brings up a good point here, and and it sticks to our kind of our schedule for this film. If everything kind of plays out as is, and and. I hate to bring this up. 2024 in this country could really fucking get nuts. It not even could. It, it is going to get insane over here. I, I hope everyone is prepared for that. 
like batshit nuts a thousand times what 2015-16 was. It, it's not even going to be close. Like literally Palpatine is ready to rise mm-hmm. to power. Could, could take this place down. So who the fuck knows what that could do to movie productions, this, that, or the other thing. I mean, you could have a real-life exodus of intelligence in this country over the next few years if if what goes down in 24 that could go down could could yeah i mean so i, I mean who who knows with these schedules but back to nova's point if everything kind of plays out the schedule i think he's right we, we probably get a tease at celebration japan for this movie yeah I, I think that that would be the most appropriate time to do it for sure is and and i think if you if you really think about they're planning if they are actually like if they're actually planning this the thing that kills star wars in terms of box office all the time is international because nobody fucking cares about star wars in the east like and, and well, they were, yeah yeah the, the the far like our you know our brother over there on the island they're a big fan i mean europe i think digs it a bit well but no yeah i'm correct. talking about like what, what? china we're all the, yeah Korea, we're the billions indonesia <laughs> yeah, like, india <laughs> yeah like, where all the people are at yeah. like nick's not wrong i think ha, like what is it like three quarters of the world's population yeah. is essentially in asia yeah i mean india stuff like that like you know asian countries don't care about star wars and i think that one thing that they had that that Lucasfilm has been very intentional about is marketing Star Wars to that audience. Like Visions had two seasons and they were done. Like the first one was all done by Japanese animation studios. Vision season two is a mix of other animation studios where there's typically low interest in Star Wars and they're having the celebration before the re-release of Star Wars in theaters in Japan. Like they, they have finally understood that like, it doesn't like you can make, you know, 200, 300 million dollars in the US, but if your international is only 150 million, it doesn't matter. Like y- you have to be able to pull in international to win things. And here's here is an example. I was talking about the solo release and how it got fucked by everything around it. Here are the three movies that released within a three week window of solo. Uh-oh. Infinity War, April 25th. That was less than a month before the release of Solo. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom released a week after Solo. And Deadpool 2 released a week before <laughs> Solo. Good job, Bob! And, at, least you, at least you cleared room for Mary Poppins 2. And, and, and I'll tell you, like this is what I'm talking about when it comes to international. Infinity War... International box office, $1.3 billion. International only. That's not, that does not include the U.S. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, international, $892 million. Deadpool 2, international. And that movie sucks. That movie sucks. That's the worst Jurassic movie of all time. It's awful. It's terrible. Uh, Deadpool 2 international 416 million dollars how much do you think Deadpool. Solo made internationally I'd be I'd, I'd be shocked if it made 100 it made 179 it made less Ooh. than half less Ooh. than half of Deadpool yeah. like and, and like you can look at that it, t- two months after this movie released and understand what your issue is with Star Wars as a property is that it has great Western appeal, 
but it has terrible Eastern appeal. And like what, and, and I think that they've recognized that and they've done a good job of addressing that. And that's why you've had visions and that's why you've had, you know, you have the upcoming star Wars celebration in Japan because they know they need to activate that audience. Like 20, like 2018 showed them like, Oh fuck. Like, yeah, we can put out this, the core Skywalker franchise and make a billion dollars because when we put out this core Skywalker franchise, we make $800 million domestically. Like, that, and and I think that they're they're kind of starting to understand that they they really need to activate those other audiences to be able to make Star Wars, you know, like Marvel, you know, to to really have that like market penetration in that area. Yeah, the, the broader the broader yeah. appeal. The, the sad thing is, dude. I mean, as long as a hiatus this is going to be when this movie comes out, because it is rooted in the sequel lore and it is Ray. I still don't think it's going to blow off the doors like a, a traditional Skywalker saga film. Yeah. Right? I mean, it, potentially not, you know, potentially it, not. It, it, it's already going to get the, the, you know, the woke label and all that horse shit. So we, we, we know that, but I, I will be there day one with bells on as they say. All right. Well, speaking of the sequel era, mm-hmm. it's time. I want everyone, first and foremost, to check out my amazing rudimentary Photoshop skills on the graphic on the live stream right now, okay? (laughs) It's unbelievable what I've achieved with Adobe Express Online over these past few months. I mean, look at that composition work, Nick, (laughs) right? Filoni's head grafted onto Ray's body on on, on the official poster. I mean, it looks like we paid a professional to do it. So I, I just wanted to... I wanted to tip my hat to myself. Yeah, Thank you. Pat on the back for uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so here, here, here's the, the deal behind this. And I, I know I set it up a little bit. Nick, Nick and I kind of talked offline. It is mostly going to be free flow. I've written down some bullet points just in case I forget. Oh, I've written down a lot of bullet points. But we're not necessarily here to say that Dave would be making wholesale changes. I, I kind of framed my ideas through the lens of Dave would have still been CCO. So he he would not have writing capabilities. He wouldn't have had directing capabilities. He would have been doing exactly what he told us he was going to be doing last week. I will now at inception, you know, during conception, even I am going to provide advice. I'll be a sounding board. Come to me. I will make recommendations. So I'm, I'm kind of taking it that way. And, you know, you might argue that some of the suggestions I'm going to make might be wholesale. But I, I still I tried to channel the man in the hat from Pittsburgh. We, we share that DNA and uh, to try to figure out what, what would these what would have been the slight tweaks, maybe the bigger nuance changes that he would have made in, in all three films. So naturally, we're going to start with TFA, Nick. Yep. And, and as we, we kind of teased before we went live here, and the first thing I have written down is the least amount of Filoni fix. And I think everyone could agree with that. You, you might argue, hey, TFA, too formulaic, too much of a New Hope clone. But in the end, we all agree it's, it's the best. It was the most cohesive. And quite frankly, I don't care how similar it was to A New Hope. It, it, felt, it felt like Star Wars. It felt familiar. It had, it had a sense of hope, a sense of promise, even more so that, hey, th- th- there could be some really cool fucking stories coming out of this. 
it, I think it did a good job setting things up. So we don't really have to take the hatchet to this one too much, Nick. But I will, just to kind of kick things off, I do think if Dave was involved in The Force Awakens from the get-go, and they, they which we now know, they, they clearly had ideas to, to make Finn a, a Force user, or at least to showcase his, his Force potential, I do think Dave would have nudged for a, a few more hints at Finn's force potential. Because quite frankly, I was one of these guys when I watched the TFA, I never picked up on that. We always said the intern was always in my ear like, motherfucker, Finn's got the force. You can tell like he, he snaps the conditioning. He, you know, he can just work a lightsaber pretty well with never having training. When he he hears the you know Star Killer base blowing up the system, he senses it and turns around. I'm like, ah, fuck you, you're stupid. But we find out and trust that yeah, that 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 really was supposed to be a thing. Boyega himself said, yeah, that's kind of where JJ wanted things to go. So Nick, I I, I do think sticking with Finn. I want to hear your thoughts here. I, I think Floney would have would have suggested more hints towards his force potential, but also. To, to kind of potentially deliver these hints, maybe give us a, a flashback of, of Finn's past and, and why he had the trooper PTSD, why he wanted to get out, why he was feeling like this isn't right. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that the like one of the, the good ways to do that would be like maybe quit like very I wouldn't even call them flashbacks. I would almost just call them like like mental flashes like when he like there were scenes in that movie where like he gets headaches and like maybe yeah okay you know, yeah yeah like we he we're seeing what he's experiencing real quick in his head exactly like, like, wow there's an image there's trauma there's trauma yeah. shit like that something like that to like establish his past in a way because obviously that's something that he is you know struggling with at the time and it's also something that us as the audience has no idea about either what i would have really liked to see too is you have these two characters in finn and ray who are both coming or like both discovering their sensitivity to the force near the same time and i don't like i don't want to say like oh they're they're having like these force mind melds but like the recognition from both of their sides like like understanding and like both of them like really expanding their ability to feel the force outside of their own selves, yeah. like maybe recognizing that in each other. Like a wink, wink. Yeah. Almost like, hey, you, you feel that too type of thing. Yeah. Like recognizing that in each other. And I think that that would have done a, a good job of like establishing the relationship between those two characters, which clearly is, is kind of brought back around in Tross. Um, to like establishing that relationship to a point to where it's like it's the expectation is that it will be continued like uh like continue to grow in the next two movies where i think it was a little light-handed in, in tfa it could have been a little bit more pronounced and then that way you know your expectation going into the next film is like okay there, there should be more character development between these two that doesn't mean that there wasn't going to be further character development between kylo and Ray, because obviously those two characters are your are your co-leads essentially in this in this film trilogy. And there was going to be a lot more development of those two characters. But you can also have uh, like small furtherances and development between Ray and, and Finn at the same time. Oh, dude, I, I love that because what I'm thinking right now 
Dave's like, all right, listen, you know, Finn, he's, he definitely has the potential, but he's not even close to Ray's affinity for it. So we've never really seen a, a Star Wars movie focusing on, on, a, on Force users where you have a pair, but one is, is so much more in tune with it, so much more adept at, at tapping into it. it, it the, the natural skill, very much like the Skywalkers, the Palpatines, the Kenobis, the Windu, so on and so forth. And then you have someone more like Sabine, where it's a bit more latent, takes a little more effort. I would have liked to have seen how Finn and Ray kind of worked through that. You know, would, would Finn maybe have gotten jealous or would have Ray tried to pull him along, things like that. So... Yeah, I, I think more time could have been spent focusing on on their bond, not necessarily as as great friends, but great friends who also share this connection. Yeah, it's like are going through right. a similar journey in their life. Exactly. Yeah, it's like a coming of age tale, but with with the force. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm 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 down there. All right, Nick. Other things I think Filoni would have would have pushed for, especially because it's it's rooted in the OT. Uh, I, I'm thinking extended, if not more scenes of Han and Leia specifically hashing out their past before he, he croaks. I mean, I would have almost liked to have seen a, a solo family flashback, young Ben, the, the, some of the issues, you know, kind of sped up to where we, we see how the family dissolve and why they have the pain they have now uh, that they've been, been apart for, for so long. Yeah. So um, what about you? You think we got a little more th- focus on the solo family through Dave? I think that the best thing that could have been done there without like focusing on those characters too much, because I know the entire, you know, purpose of the sequel trilogy was, was to essentially hand off the torch, you know, and, and the reason why these characters weren't on screen more is because they did want to focus more on the, the sequel heroes, uh, you know, Finn, Poe and Ray. And I do think that there could have been a little bit more. And and the way that I probably would have done it is like an extended scene at the resistance base when Han and Chewie like kind of first get there. You get that moment between Han, Chewie and Leia where like they step off of the ship. Leia standing there like, you know, Chewie gets the big hug from from Leia. And then you just kind of have this this really short kind of conversation between Han and Leia that doesn't. Yeah. It's like, Hey, Hey, you know, and I, I th- new hair. I mean, it's, that's literally yeah. it. Hey, Hey, new haircut, new jacket. That's it. Yeah. So like you take <laughs> that, like you can still have that scene. And, sure. But, but extend it or develop yeah, like it. Right? Have it to where like you spend a little bit more time at the resistance base and you do have another scene where it's like, them kind of sitting down and, and having that conversation and really understanding. And like, yeah, at some point there, like she says something like, well, he, you know, he, I had to send him away or, you know, something like that. Like, right. Yeah. That, okay, good. That, that's what it, I guess it wouldn't even have to been a flashback. I'm, I'm just, like I said, I'm greedy. It would have been fun to, you know, see them young with their, you know, family having problems. Maybe Luke, uncle Luke showing up to take Ben Shit like that, just to, you know, stroke the nostalgia. I, I think Dave definitely would have pushed for a little more nostalgia stroking in, in all films, clearly. But but this one, when you when you had the two, really the first time any of the mains from the OT were together in these new movies for real. You know, we know Luke technically wasn't there. Uh, yeah, no, I'm down with that. Th- Nick, I, I kind of waffled on this one because... 
in the end, I do feel like he was playing the Palpatine role, and it's not like Palpatine had any fucking development in the original trilogy. So I, I guess I'm going to bring it up just to hear if you want to swat this one down. But do you think Dave would have potentially pish- pushed for a bit more Snoke mystery development, mostly via First Order scenes, you know, maybe Kylo and Hux bitching about him or or talking about him, maybe another meeting, or do you think Snoke was kind of done well? Not not really meant to be the big bad ever, just like Palpatine technically wasn't until the very end, or or do you think Dave would have massaged some of the Snoke stuff in TFA? I think that there was an opportunity to I think what they I think ultimately what happens to Snoke in this trilogy, here's what I'll say. Ultimately what happens to Snoke in this trilogy, I have no problem with. Um and I wouldn't change too much around his character. Yeah, that's, that's like I didn't even know if this was worth bringing yeah. up. But I do think that even though his his ultimate fate is to be usurped by Kylo, I think it's still right. it, it would have still been interesting to get more like backstory on him. And the reason that I say that now is because, you know, ultimately when we get to Tross, like there, like that is where a lot of the, the the wholesale changes may take place or the larger scale yeah. changes. And like the reason that I would want more development into Snoke as a character, because ultimately in my mind, I think it would serve the story better if he wasn't a Palpatine clone. And I think that ultimately yeah, it would serve the story better if Palpatine was uninvolved in this film uh, or in, in, in this that- trilogy. <laughs> Um, That's going to be our biggest wholesale change, 100%. Uh, So I I dig that. You know, kind of, this is what I had envisioned in my head. It it, would almost be something, maybe it's not Hux and Kylo, because clearly they weren't friends. Maybe it was Hux and another general, just like, hey, where did this get, what's the deal with this guy? Like, where did he come from? And maybe he'd be like, oh, I heard he was a part of the Remnant, or something like that. Just just something like that Mm -hmm. is kind of what I'm looking for. Because I agree with you. I think Snoke served his purpose. And, and like I said, if, he, if technically if he was supposed to always be the, the new emperor, he still shouldn't have gotten that much screen time or development, just like yeah. Palpatine in the, in the original one, trilogy. One other thing that I would like, and this is kind of setting up something that, that I'll expand upon when we get into the other movies, is there, the, the connection between Kylo and his grandfather you know, specifically the Vader portion of his grandfather was so pronounced through this trilogy, but it was never actually capitalized on. Like there was nothing like good point. You, you, there was constantly this, this homage and this, this, you know, this worship given to his grandfather, but like in no movie, did you ever pay off on it in any significant way other than like he modeled, like, you know, he modeled his helmet after in, in his I, garb I mean, dude, after his it, grandfather. It, it, it completely disappears in the middle movie. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's where the, the helmet, the helmet comes back and tries. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and, and like, that's like, there's a lot of middle movie problems and like, I'll get to it there. And it's obviously it's because you have a director switch and a story writer switch, but like what I would have liked to see and, and you'll see why as we go on, but like have there be substance behind the worship, you know, like even if it is yes. just in his head, but leave it ambiguous, like leave it nebulous to the point to where it's like you understand that he actually is hearing something like you understand that, like when he's talking to his grandfather, that either of his own making or through the force, there is something speaking to him. And like th- that, like the, the obsession a good, a good point. that he has is not obsession based purely off of stories that he was told by his parents. 
it's it's obsession rooted in either his own mental instability and his own um you know like trauma from his upbringing and understanding where his family comes from so like an internal representation of vader within himself that he hears or that there is some sort of like latent force connection between him and the essence of darth vader that dude that, that would have been awesome i mean it's it's his fucking granddad i mean what because we always i mean at least me i always went like what what the fuck was wrong with Han and Leia and Luke? Did they did they never tell Kylo who this guy was and ultimately what he did and how his life ended? Like, well, why what, why is he jerking off over this mask? Does does he not realize it's melted for a reason? Yeah, he he lost, and it's like, like he he lost, and it. I think that like because ultimately, like the story of Kylo Ren is the story of a tragic family. Like having having substance behind that mask and behind that oh, that that that, yeah. f- that worship like feeds into the tale that you're telling of this whole skywalker clan like the skywalker would you have wanted anakin to eventually maybe by movie three finally almost grab him and be like hey fuckhead like hello I, I think that yeah i mean ultimately that's where like in the third movie like you have these specters of vader that are constantly invading kylo's mind whether it be of his own making or or from the force itself but then in pivotal moments in the third the real, film you you have the real that. essence exactly okay. like you you have anakin skywalker the true version of anakin skywalker that we got to see in ahsoka like reveal himself to kylo and 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 really have him have an understanding of like of of who he was as a person and, and what happened in his life and then that way all of this worship that he gave to his grandfather, all of this, this, this attention that, you know, was given to his grandfather and and how he shaped his life or thought he shaped his life around his grandfather is then revealed to him that like, yeah, we get payoff. Yeah. Cause all like you never pay off of that. And like, that was something that was always really interesting about his characters is the obsession with Vader. And it, it just fizzled. It just went away. Well, well, you're right. Cause even Ray used it against him in the first movie. It's like I can tell you're you're a fucking whack job because you you never think you're going to be like your your hero Vader. Yeah. I mean it was it was a it was not just a prop. Mm-hmm. It was something that clearly was affecting who he was, how he acted, and even Ray could sense it and knew she could use it against him. So I I, I didn't even think about that one. That that was spot on. Uh, really, I I think I've got one more thing on TFA. And then, you know, if you have any, we can we can finish and then we'll get into the middle movie here. But my last thing here is I I think Dave would have made them pay off on the fucking Maz and Luke's lightsaber backstory. Like none none of this bullshit, a story for a different time. I I think she just whips it out and explains it right there while while Han's standing there. And here we go, because that's another one, Nick. Obviously not a big deal. Probably not as important as, as the loss of the Vader theme. But as someone like me who's a lore freak, I'll never forget that scene. When she whips out, I'm like, oh, fuck. How'd that get there? And she literally says, I think Han says, how the fuck did that get there? And she replies, hey, that's a story for a different time. And yeah. then that story well, never plays out. Like, so That's another one where, like, I would be okay. Like, I'm okay with that scene if the payoff comes, which it never did. Like... And and that's where a lot of the issues lie when we'll get to TLJ. Because if you 
if you say that in TFA, which they did, and then you have that be a, a like, it was a very frantic scene. Like if you remember in TFA, like she gets yeah, the lightsaber, I, I, they're I running around the fucking, like I at agree. a certain point, like the hallway that they're standing in where the exchange happens collapses and like, okay, like, okay, maybe you don't have enough time at that moment to, to tell the full story. But like, there are moments that could have paid that off. And well, right here, Nick, when, cause Finn, Finn gets it next, right? I mean, Finn gets it from the castle because Ray never takes it. She she runs away from it. That's how they get separated. Finn is given it to defend themselves. Yeah, and he fights. So there was there was an opportunity once he gets to resistance base with with Leia and Han and be like, you you don't think Han or Leia would have recognized that fucking hilt? One hundred percent. And like that. And then right there, right there is you get, hey, where'd that come from? We know Maz makes it to resistance base. Oh. Let, now we can finish the story. Exactly. Something like that. Like have the like I have no problem with how they did it in TFA because the intention of it was to be like, you need to take this now because we don't have time for you to me right. to give you a dissertation. But you have to like because of how they did that and because that because they didn't pay off on it, it's a it's a huge miss. And like that the only thing there is like, I'm okay with it in TFA if you come back in TLJ and be like, look you actually pay off on, on what was promised. You pay off on the, uh, on the story being told, whether it be to, to Ray or Finn, like, I don't care who it's told to. Um, but as long as the payoff comes for the audience, um, All right. that's, that's, so have we, have we felonized TFA? You ready to move on? I think I'm ready to move on. The only other thing, and this is a, this is a pretty large change. Um, the only other thing that I could have seen him saying like, Hey, let's, let's, let's pull a U-turn here. Let's throw him a curveball." is you don't destroy Starkiller base because that is a significant enough change from the original trilogy to where it's like, Oh wow. Okay. So like things are similar, but they've, they've taken a different tact and it also allows you a little bit more flexibility with your scene locations in TLJ um, because I do think that ultimately while the moment with, um, you know, with Holdo was really cool, I feel like having your entire, like a majority of your entire cast stuck on a ship that's just being shot at for two and a half hours can get a little bit weird. Um, oh yeah, well, don't worry. I've got, like I said, I, I, I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying not to spin them as wholesale, but, and listen, I, as we get into TLJ, I, I, I'll put it out on the record. I'm man enough to say it. I like TLJ. Okay. I, I'm not one of these people that thinks it ruined my childhood and all this other shit. Uh, I, I don't think Ryan Johnson's a communist. Uh, I actually think he's, he's quite a talented artist. I, I do have some issues with some choices, uh, not necessarily. I, I I've said this a million times, and we'll bring it up here. Biggest beef is is how Luke was initially presented as a cocksucker. In terms of him self exiling, that makes complete sense to me. His two masters did it before him. It's just what they do. Um, but yeah, let, let, let's get into it. So I just want to get that out there. I, I do not hate this movie, but there are going to be a few more recommendations here than in TFA, but it's because we are playing the role of Dave Filoni, CCO. We are trying to make these cohesive, all right? So there is going to be a little more wholesale action going on TLJ. But once again, before we start, everyone, bask in the glory of my online Photoshop skills. Mm -hmm. 
Look at that. Look at that. I even got his head up under the hood, and you can only barely see Mark Hamill's forehead still. <laughs> that is some quality shit. Top notch <laughs> photoshopping. All right, right Nikki boy, here we go. And, 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 listen, like I know some of you are probably expecting a flamethrower to come out. Like I said, I, I, I don't want to speak for Nick, but I'm pretty sure he also does not hate this movie. It doesn't make him vomit. I'm not going to say it's one of his favorite. Um, but for me, it's not the worst sequel movie. That's The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. But here we go. And I think, Nick, this picks up right with your idea not to blow up Starkiller Base. My first thought was, I don't think Dave, like Ryan wanted to, would have picked up right the fuck after the events of TFA. I, I think we get some breathing room. Yeah. All right. So... I'm saying Luke and Ray have have been together for a little bit, all right? So a little more time has passed from TFA to TLJ. I, I think that eliminates a lot of the horse shit in TLJ. Like you said, the the old playing tag in space. Okay, I mean, it, it makes sense for the scenario. Is it the most exciting? Not really. Even though that's all Empire Strikes Back was too. A lot of people forget that. Empire Strikes Back, it's one of its main narratives was a space chase. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So didn't last the whole it's, quite it, the whole movie, but yeah. Right. Was, but but a good chunk. Yeah, I mean, yeah. all the way up till all the way up till Bespin. So a, a good part of it. But Nick, that that's the first thing I think changes. And and let me get a follow-up and I want to get your thoughts here. But I, I do still think, even though it doesn't happen literally an hour after the attack. I do still think, very similar to Empire, maybe people are seeing where I'm going here, <laughs> kind of like they did with TFA. We might as well just keep repeating shit. Uh, we do still see a devastating First Order response on the Resistance, yeah. but literally not an hour after Starkeller base is blown up. Yeah. So more, more like Battle of Hoth. The Resistance has resettled somewhere. You know, uh, they had to get out of Dodge. They've resettled, but they've been caught again, and they're about to feel the pain of their win. Yeah, so I think that um, I agree. I 100% agree with you there in terms of extending the time between TFA and TLJ. And whether it's because Starkiller base got blown up or not, I don't care, but there needs to be more time because what time gives you is character development, off-screen character you. development Thank that you. you can address in the movie as these characters interact with each other. But that's but that line in itself was one of the primary problems with TLJ is that the character the main characters of this trilogy did not interact with each other almost at all. Like you had the first 10 minutes of the movie where like Finn and Poe are interacting with each other. But then like after that, everybody like Finn goes off on his merry way to Canto bite. Like oh, yeah. Ray, Ray is, it becomes narrative soup and, and you're right in line with me, man. Cause I said, next up we get very defined narratives, but the good guys stay together. So here, here's one. Let me know what you think here. Finn, Poe, Rose, BB eight. They are a, a narrative thread in TLJ. They stay mm -hmm. together throughout the movie. You, you know, you know they, 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 deal, they can still go to Canto, Bite, and all that stupid shit. But instead of the stupid shit, maybe throwing some, some legends, bounty hunters, chasing them on Canto, Bite. You know, kind of Dave, he's known for that type of stuff. Let, let's weave in some nostalgia. Let's get in some Easter egg type of deal. But what do you think 
Finn Poe Rose BB-8. I think they're they're a, a main narrative in TLJ with Dave. Yeah, no, I, I I think that that is a good way to go. I think that having that core group together is similar to ESB, where you have the droid. Right. You know, like you you know. Yeah, you had Leia Han and the droids. And the droids. So like you're you're all set up there in a very similar fashion, um, and it gives you the opportunity to have character like character development and growth between those, you know, like between those four core members. And I think right. that that that's something that is just like ultimately what this trilogy suffered from is like you have this this core group of characters that never actually got to develop together. Like there no. was not enough time in universe for them to actually build bonds and grow together as a unit like you did in the original trilogy and the fact that like you know, they, they, they stay separated for far too long. Um, Dude, I don't even think Ray and Poe have their first face to face until the end of TLG. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's the most ridiculous thing ever. Like you see these two characters that have essentially been the crux the of heroes your, of the resistance. Yeah. yeah the like crux the, of your the one guy blows up star killer. He becomes a general. And then the other is your, your wizard. Yeah. But yeah. That was and, weird. and they don't fucking meet. Um, so that is one thing. My other thing is, intentionally or not and i don't think it was intentionally like ryan was telling his own story but there was no follow-through on the interesting storylines that were left to like left open from tfa and a tlj and here are the ones that i'm primarily talking about i mean we talked about the vader thing already with with kylo yeah com- completely gone he, like ryan literally took that storyline which was interesting and he threw it away like he completely ignored it and same with Kylo's helmet. Like, exactly. he, like that was, that was all he, Ryan's like, fuck you. you. Your face is not staying behind the helmet. Yeah. It, it's, it is, it's a disservice to like, it, I don't want to say it's a slap in the face to, to JJ because, or, you know, to JJ and Chris Terrio, because I don't know what the process of writing these films, they could have been writing these movies at the same fucking time for as far as I, like, as far as I know, I have no idea how that worked. So it's, I, I don't think that Ryan watched TFA and then wrote TLJ and was like, Darth Vader shit gone. Obi-Wan Kenobi shit with, with Ray gone. Like it just wasn't important to him. Yeah. Like I, and and he may not have even known that that was going to be in there. So he's like, well, what, how am I supposed to follow up on it if I don't know it's there? But the other one, like I just mentioned was the very intentional choice to have obi-wan's voice in ray's vision from tfa ray these are your next steps yeah like literally completely ignored and done and and like not only was that ignored through tlj that was also ignored through through tross too so in a way jj fucked himself by not following up on that thread but well uh, yeah at that point he's like what's the point yeah, she's, she's already a master under leia so yeah okay. it's, it's like you you have <laughs> you have literally she don't need force ghosts and, and 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 that's the thing is like what jj like i thought like again it's just my opinion and i know that people have different opinions i thought that what jj was doing planting these seeds of these of these historic characters in the minds and hearts of the characters that we're now growing up with was a very interesting way to weave in the story of the original trilogy into the sequel trilogy. And those were wholesale ignored by Ryan. Like the, the, the thread of, of 
Kylo's link to his grandfather and how his grandfather has influenced his his decision making in his life and everything like that was very interesting and it made sense for the character and it was wholesale ignored. And the fact that that JJ intentionally put in this scene with Ray touching this 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 legendary lightsaber. Like you have to think about what what happened with the character of Ray with the lightsaber and what that scene meant like you had a lightsaber that essentially was laid dormant for what fucking god knows how long you know like since since kanata had it like this this character of ray comes into contact with it and it is immediately hit with visions and with visions yeah like like inv- that's right oh yeah the the rain vision the knights of ren the that's knights of ren, gone like, you're right gone. holy shit like, i completely forgot like, like like all of that is gone like the the fact that that was never followed up on in any meaningful way is is painful because there was a lot there to grow on and the fact not only the fact that like that Fuck, I happened. forgot knights of ren completely left out of tlj yeah, completely you're left right, out of just TLJ. gone just not not <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, nothing. Filoni wouldn't have done that because they look cool and and they have lore potential. So yeah, yeah. I, I can't believe I co I, I've completely forgot about them because of they're they're literally just cut out of the trilogy if you think. Yeah, about I it. mean they're they're barely there. So like you needed to, like that was that whole scene with Ray being the one to like connect with that lightsaber and then also in the forest. She is the one to win the force battle for that lightsaber from Luke Skywalker's own nephew. Like that, that is the link between like hearing Obi-Wan Kenobi's voice, Luke's primary train, like, you know, one of Luke's first mentors when he was going through his Jedi training, the one who was always presenting himself to Luke through the force after his death, that being the voice that talked to Ray being able to pull the lightsaber away from right. Kylo, the the blood relative, the ancestral relative of Luke Skywalker, whose blade that was, like that story, that was the story of TLJ. Like those scenes set up TLJ for those two characters, and and the fact that they were wholesale ignored just did it. It makes no sense. Like, don't you think? Ben Solo, a.k.a. Kylo Ren, is not racking his brain. Why, like, why did the Saber not choose me, the blood relative of Luke Skywalker and the one who is who is heir apparent to Darth Vader? Well, yeah, because then he just says, that Saber's mine, yeah, right? Like and and they fight over it on the ship and they, they, they try to break or they do break it in half, but it's... It's never explored in the, in the mystical way that you're saying. Yeah. Like, why? Yeah, I get it, I get and it. And, like... Like that, that being wholesale ignored is almost unforgivable. Like it's, it, it's, you had, you were given and like, again, like who, who fuck knows how, um, you know, who knows how the writing process worked for these movies? Who knows if Ryan was even, you know, had purview into, or like, you know, had some view into what, what JJ was writing, but like, it feels odd that like, that's the handoff. Like J, JJ wrote that put it on a platter and like, Hey, this is a part of the second movie for these two characters. And it went nowhere. And I'm not saying that like, you need to, you know, like you need to change the, the entire 
character arc for those characters in TLJ, but it should have been addressed. Like you could have taken TLJ as it is now and addressed those moments in meaningful ways in that movie. And it just was never done. Um, so that is, that's the biggest thing for me in TLJ is like on a silver platter, you had a very interesting storyline that involved both the Darth Vader angle of it and incorporating like understanding um, Ray's link to the Skywalker lineage through her connection with that saber were wholesale ignored. And I think that that that, that kind of leads into one of my bigger wholesale changes and one that, you know, you and I, when we were still guessing at what TLJ was going to be like and who really is Ray, I think we, we, we finally got to the point where we agreed. It, it would kind of make the most sense if she was a lost solo. Yeah. Something like, like either, either Leia had her in secret and, and hit her because of what happened to Ben, shit like that, yeah. because they are far enough apart in age that it, it could, it could have been a tryst with Han. He was coming in off a smuggler run to, you know, get a little wanka waka waka. She has Ray, but she's instantly terrified. Like, fuck, I just brought another one of these things into the universe. I just saw what happened with my son. He broke bad. We got a ditcher. Like, that's going to be the best thing for kind of kind of what happened to her and Luke. Right. I mean, that's, that's essentially it's like, well, fuck, you just let this asshole procreate. We got to stuff these things at two opposite ends of the galaxy. So I and I know this goes against my my no wholesale changes, but. I, I I wrote down, Nick, I'm like, hey, if if Ray has to be a somebody as she ends up being a fucking stupid ass Palpatine clone abortion, at least lay seeds for her being a hidden solo. Yeah. The sister of Ben. Like, I, I, I think that that would have scratched the legend itch that a lot of people think are missing from the sequels. You, you would have had that solo family and the chaos that that kind of fell upon them because of their force potential. It would have followed closer on the, you know, the Jason and Jaina type of stuff. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I'm okay. I was okay with Ray being from nowhere, but knowing Dave, knowing how he loves the parallels throughout the, the franchise, the connective tissue, I just, in the end, when it comes down to it, 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 she either had to be Ray the long lost solo or Ray from nowhere. Going the Ray to Palpatine, just it's it's jumping the shark, yeah, big time. And I think that so. like one thing that Dave like bringing this back to like Dave's mindset, like Dave has always respected George's understanding that Star Wars is about family. Like yes, George. I mean, go back to old interviews of George. He says it all the time. Like Star Wars is about family. Like. And whether it's the, you know, the, the chosen, the, the family that you choose with like the, the story of Star Wars Rebels, Star Wars Rebels is all about the family that you choose. And, you know, you, then you go to the OT. It's about the family that you didn't even know about. Like the OT was about like your familial link to, you know, Luke and Leia's familial link to the scourge of the galaxy and Darth Vader. And, and a little incest. Yeah, for, and a little incest. at least a movie and a half. Yeah, a little bit of that <laughs> in there, too. Sometimes the family part of it's not all, you know, roses yeah, and, yeah. and how it should be. And then you go back to the prequel trilogy, and it, it, it's it's a mix of both. It's, it's the family that you choose or the family that you have been given to with Anakin and Obi-Wan, 
Like those two were bro- like in those movies. That it, like, do you think that George writes into that? Like, you were my brother for no reason. No, he's establishing what he said for twenty years up to that point. That Star Wars is about family and establishing the family link between Obi Wan and Anakin, and then starting the family that will be the saviors of the uh, of the galaxy in the OT with uh Anakin and Padme like that actual familial bond and building there and like there needed to be an understanding and like Dave understands that every like the bad batch is the family that you chose like the family that you were you have grown up in that's the whole story they're a family and you think yeah. that that's not going to come back around with crosshair in season three it will 100% come back around and I think that, that you know that hard ass. He's gonna he's gonna get soft. Yeah, especially because Omega's with him. She's gonna work him over. And by the time all the bros show up, and he realizes tech is gone, yeah, he's gonna do the right thing. It's all- no that, that that's a fantasy. You are you're a hundred percent correct. And Nick, it, it it plays even more into what happened than trust. Like if you're gonna make him a dyad. The fact that they're long lost siblings, like, come on, that's just like it's, it's right low hanging there. fruit here. Like, it's, it's low hanging. It makes it makes way more sense than uh, we're just a dyad in the force. Now it's literally you both came from the sacks of the Skywalker jizz. Yeah, and what are you doing? So, yeah, like what are you in that instance? It is literally the definition of Star Wars. It is the Skywalkers versus Palpatine at the mm-hmm. end of it. And like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? Like, how could that? Like, how could you end the Skywalker trilogy any better? Like that. That like, obviously, you know, like the Ray from. And no- then she would have been a real Skywalker, anyways, yeah. people. Like the Ray from Nowhere <laughs> stuff w- would have been cool, but the problem is, is that you've already done too much in the first movie to establish that there is a connection. Like, yeah, she came from somewhere. You don't show her getting dropped off yeah. and screaming mom if, if she's a nobody. Yeah, it's like so. right from nowhere, but let's 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 focus on the fact that she was abandoned on this planet by somebody. Dude, dude, like, I, we we wrote it so well. We're like, like yeah, Leia, she would Leia would have had the ditcher. Maybe that was Laura Santeca dropping her off. Like it, it made sense. Our our version of what we were hoping to learn about Ray made sense. And you are right. I love Ray from nowhere. That's always going to be my Ray. Cause that's what we have to do. But knowing Dave, like you said, and his, his studious um, ability to figure out what, what George meant with all this, how he would have done things. I think you're, you're hundred percent correct. She, she it does become someone that gives her that, that 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 provides that that family dynamic that that Star Wars is known for, either traditional family or the family you find. So, yeah, I'm all about that. But I, I do, and that that's probably the biggest wholesale change I have for really the trilogy is is I Ray nowhere. Okay, we can do shit with that. But Ray, a hidden lost solo to me, that's a little more exciting, a little more intriguing. And uh, it, it explains some of the stuff that they had the crowbar in and trust yeah. the dyad in particular. And it like, it also gives so much more weight to like, if she doesn't know she's a hidden solo, can you imagine? Like, obviously there's a lot that like, once we get to trust, it's just a mess because a lot of it is like, a lot of it has to do with like, just Carrie not being there. Um, but can you imagine the weight of that as a viewer, as a viewer, if you know that, Ray is the lost daughter of Han and Leia. 
But dude, Ray, it, it could have been I am your father part two. It could have been. But here's like, imagine how powerful it would have been if Ray does Ray still doesn't know who she is, but but Leia is training her knowing that she's my daughter. And like, and knowing that like if you know that you're my daughter, then it then your life is at more risk than it even is now. Like in in her intentionally training her hiding the fact that she's her mother like that is such a powerful moment in that film to right. understand that like i love you so much that i can't tell you how much i love you and i can't well, well didn't didn't we posit nick that han wouldn't have even known like han leia would have hid this from everyone and that yeah. would have made it even more exciting when you get the reveal and sad because then ray would have watched her father being killed by her brother exactly like all of that that interworking shit sign us up like all of the interworking between that would have been so just like you want to talk about emotional star wars like that's it that's it for you. And yeah, it's, man, it really is. I am your father, but maybe I am your mother. Or hey, this is this is how it goes. I mean, you're 100. percent Yeah, like like let, let's let's go. Let, let, let's fucking kickstart this shit. And you know we are. I I never said we, the the prequels or sequels would be rebooted. We're doing it right now. Yeah. But and and the <laughs> thing is, is like you can you can largely keep the storyline that was told in TLJ while sure. still having that attached to it you know yeah you don't you don't pay off on that until the last yeah, one right Nick? like you, like yeah. that is a continuing storyline that like gets developed yes. through you know like the downtime that you have with ray and her training and the downtime that you have with kylo before the end of the movie when everything really fucking goes to shit like you have those character development moments that are already built into the, the way that movie plays out except now you're like their development means so much more because there's there's so much behind it and and mm -hmm. really if you look at the like how does ray's character develop through tlj like Ray, ray's character goes from like we don't know who you are to to at the end of it like you're nobody which is like isn't really a big upgrade on we don't know who you are because we still don't know who you are except at the end Correct. of this film we're just saying like it not only do we not know who you are, it doesn't even matter who you are. Like that's how that's how Ray's character development. What if goes. it, dude? You got me. Like I'm all excited, even though this is never going <laughs> to be real. But what, what if it was Kylo the one that figures it out and reveals it? Like Ray, I am your brother, and that would have been me. <laughs> Join me in, in Grandpa's melted helmet to take over the galaxy as siblings in melted helmet. I mean, but that would have been a very cool moment for him, though, too. Like, even if he didn't have like, even if he didn't reveal it, like he has the moment similar to how Vader has it at the end of ROTJ sister. Sis, like, mm -hmm. like Vader sister. figuring that out, like in his mind, just saying sister, your twin sister. And then him understanding like sister she's yeah. my sister like there i knew that there was a link between us i knew that there was something and now i understand it and like that colors and like that would have made way more sense at the end when they're on when they're in snoke's throne room and he's reaching out to her he's reaching yeah. out to her with the understanding that like i'm maybe i don't tell you here but maybe you feel it in our force connection yeah, I, I'm figuring it out and we're going to get out of this mess. Yeah. Dude, it's just, I dig it. 
I did this shit, man. Fuck. That just gets me even more depressed about the sequels and it's now. Like, it's like, damn it. It's so, it's so e- it was so easy to, it, it was, was so, so easy, easy and that. it was so ingrained in what George always <laughs> wanted star Wars to be. And that's what, right. George, that's what Dave does. Dave understands yeah. what yeah. star Wars was always meant to be. He was straight out of George's head. And he would have uh, he would have recognized that like he would have been like, oh, you have these two characters that you have already established have some sort of connection like it's mm-hmm. already been established. So why? Well, yeah, I mean, Nick, I, I was like, Let, let's leave all the wa- force walkie talkie shit in TLJ. Yeah, that, that was it makes cool. Sense. But it, 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 yes, it, it, yeah, it's like, yeah, there's a reason you guys are open to each other because you you have the same fucking blood. Yeah, like it makes sense. Like, so. You know, I, I think that like leaning it. more into that, like actually leaning into that in TLJ and having those characters explore themselves in a very deep and meaningful way, like in, 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 in really following up on the seeds that were laid in TFA like that, like you can keep almost all of the action the same, like you can keep the beats of the movie the same, but really have those internal character journeys leading towards somewhere that was that was established from the first movie like that's yeah. all i wanted you know like it is just to have those character journeys make sense to from what has come before it you know like the, I, I mean really if even paying attention just it should have been similar to empire strikes back just like the first one was similar to a new hope it's not that hard with except for these little tweaks Nick, I got a few others, and these are so low-hanging. I mean, you're just going to be like, well, yeah, of course, Dave would have taken his pencil and crossed that right the fuck out. Easy one here. No no saber throw horse shit. Yeah, you know, that, Luke, that, that just... That, that's like, that was like pratfall. I mean, I'm okay with comedy in Star Wars. Notice I didn't say anything about change. I, th- I still think the beginning of TLJ is great. I know it seems silly, but I, I'll never forget how fucking nervous i was watching that bomb run and mm-hmm. i liked poe acting like a slap dick with hawks but yeah the, the the luke saber throw immediately gone treating ray like a dog gone that would not happen but i do still think just like yoda kind of was at first he would have been very hesitant to take her on because of what just happened to if we're sticking with our new plot her brother Okay, mm-hmm. he he still wouldn't be like, no, listen, like I'm I'm here for a reason. Uh, when us Skywalkers get a little too overzealous, the galaxy tends to really pay the price. So I took myself off the fucking field because I fucked up with your brother that we're not going to tell you yet. So no, um, but we've talked about that before. The other one that I know Dave would have crammed in here is a dedicated fucking scene of Luke and Han feeling some feels over the death of their buddy. All right? Like, we, we, we literally get, oh, hey, Luke Chewie. Where, Chew- yeah, Luke and Chewie. I'm Luke sorry. Chewie, I'm sorry. Yeah, I said yeah. Luke and <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. I'm an idiot. Yeah, like, Chewie and Luke needed more than just, hey, where's, oh, oh Han's not here. Okay, that's, we get what happened. No, they, they needed yeah. to have a, like, Chewie literally taking Luke's head and jamming it into his chest like we've seen him do. Like, you know, kind of like when he says goodbye before the Battle of Hoth. Grabs him, you know, pets his head like, move, 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 move. that type of shit. Yeah. They, they needed to, they needed to process Han's death. Yeah, 100%. And like, I think that that goes back to just like what you were saying. Like, I agree with you that Luke 
exiling himself fits narratively with it, it, it just it's it, yeah it's who he is it's yeah. what, what he knows exactly <laughs> it's what like, he knows if he's following the the you know the ways of his masters before him like you said that's exactly what they did but the problem with luke like you like you identified was the emotion was wrong like his his yeah. emotional state was wrong like he was angry and he, he was, was an, yeah an angry curmudgeon yeah. and no like like luke sure he was a whiny type of guy but he was never angry and, and anti yeah it, it was like it was angry but it was also disrespectful like yeah he treated her and, like a pile of shit yeah. and chewy and like he was never like luke for all that he was was never disrespectful like no he's not a dickhead and, not and like that was what always sat poorly with me about yeah. that film is that like you have this you have this character who if anything else would be more emotionally distraught than he would be angry who yes. is now essentially like the way that that it is played in TLJ has just decided that he has forsaken the galaxy regardless of what the situation yeah, he's just like, is. Yeah, fuck everybody, fuck you, fuck my sister, fuck Chewie, fuck Han. I'm taking my force skills and going home. Yeah, he's like, fuck it. Like if if everything burns down and and the first order comes to power and whatever, like whatever, I'm out. Where thanks, Big Wood. Like in in like. That just doesn't fit the character. Like the, the 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 character of Luke Skywalker was never one to be like. He would definitely be a sad sack, and he'd be like, he would he would oh, yeah. he would be like Obi Wan was in the beginning of. Yeah, uh, of I, I was I okay. I, I when you were done, I was about ready to say he should have been more like Ben in the fucking cave. Yeah, yeah, like just so so Nick. This plays into my next thing with Luke, and I think you'll probably agree. I'm saying Luke would have actually left Acto to go see his sister and knowingly, just like Obi-Wan Kenobi did, knowingly going to sacrifice himself to the Force to give the galaxy the resistance and ultimately Ray the juice they need to take the next step. 100%. He doesn't die Force projecting. He does a Kenobi. He goes there. He confronts his nephew. He plays with him. Then he says, essentially, hey, go ahead, strike me down. I'm going to become more powerful than you can ever imagine. Yeah. And, and, and what a fantastic way to mirror the the original trilogy where it's yeah, like his guy instead of it being like Obi-Wan is helping Luke the whole way through the OT after his death. Like he's there as a mentor that and a the guide point. through it, the force. Just in case anyone hasn't figured it out. Obi-Wan's whole plan was always once he learned how to achieve force ghost form was to die yeah because it was going to be way easier to be with luke at all times as a spirit and that's what he's essentially trying to tell luke's dad like hey bro i know you think you're actually going to beat me here but this is all by design yeah i need luke to see this i need to become one with the force so take your best shot i'm not even going to defend it exactly and what a what a fantastic turn it would have been if Kylo cuts down Luke as he does, but in the next movie, Luke is in his head and not as a mentor, mm-hmm. but as like a, as somebody who's constantly na- like, you know, yeah, this is right. Why are you right. doing this? Exactly. Exactly. Like, you know, like, you know, deep down that what you're doing is wrong and mm-hmm. you know, and like, then you would have that, you would have the voices of, 
you know, Vader that slowly fades into real Anakin and Tross and, and, and there it is. And then you also have the voice of Luke Skywalker in his head. And like when those two fight, like when Anakin finally turns or when Vader finally turns to Anakin, you have the chosen one and the chosen one's son that are in Kylo's head and, and true understanding finally hits him. And like, and, and really there is this moment of like, of him understanding, albeit probably too late that like, you know, he was driven by this desire to, to be able to do what his grandfather never did, but truly understanding that doing what his grandfather never did was not becoming like a bigger scourge on the galaxy. It was becoming the savior of the galaxy. Right. And like, it's just, <laughs> that's what I always could never understand. Why no one ever told him like, Hey, by the way, you do know that he's the reason the empire fell, right? Yeah. <laughs> Vader, you know, come on. So, um, damn it. You made a great point and I was going to try to trail off of it, but I, I just deleted it. Sorry. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. I, oh, oh, I, I honestly think you're on to something with Luke being in, in Ben's head. I believe Colin was going to do that in the third movie before he was like, fuck this. I'm out. Yeah. Like, it, because, you know, Luke was also, obviously he knew Luke was dying. I don't think he wanted Luke to die. It's one of the reasons he bailed. But he's like, all right, Luke's dead. I'm going to have him not only obviously work with Ray and keep training her, but I'm going to have him at times get in Ben's head and, and just like Nick said, kind of tweak his tits. Yeah. Like, hey, hey, dummy, slap, slap, wake up. You really thought I was going to try to kill you? Get tough. Pull up your bootstraps. That type of shit. So Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, like, there's... There was a better way one, to do that. Yeah. One other thing for TLJ, and then we'll see if you have any more. And, and this is kind of a silly one, but I know one that, that Filoni would have definitely edited. Akbar gets a better death than, than just randomly sucked out of a space window. Yeah, I think that, okay. that um, he would have had more reverence given to his passing for sure. Yeah, he did not just sucked out. I know people still get bent over. Like, listen, Leia's a Force user. We've seen Star-Lord survive multiple space jumps at this point in time without a, a space suit on. So clearly it's not as deadly as we thought. Yeah. I think I've seen motherfuckers in like For All Mankind, I believe, survive out in space for a little bit. So uh, if Leia is, is essentially the chosen one's daughter, I, I can kind of get over the the whole Mary Force Poppins shit. But Akbar needed a little bit more than just, hey, was that him <laughs> getting sucked out the fucking window? So, I, I mean, you, you don't take one of the great admirals of the Battle of Endor. It's a trap. I mean, literally one of, one of the most random characters that, has memes, sayings, shirts, all sorts of shit for him. And his death is just becoming a random bit of debris that flies out of the Radis's window. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not cool. And, you know, there's nothing else for me, but I do want to address one thing that I think a lot of people may be thinking about is like, what about Canto Bite? What about Canto Bite? That sucked. Oh, like, I told you. I, yeah, you can still do it. Just throw some bounty hunters in yeah. there and, 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 and make it more interesting. Because yeah. I think that like, that's some shit that Filoni would do, though. Like, like the Canto bite, even as it is now, like, Filoni would probably have okayed that. Because Filoni, like, in the stuff that Filoni does now, there's always, like, some weird, like, yeah, bro, stuff like new, that. New planets, like, Dave's going to jump on the opportunity to to 
potentially influence a new planet in Star Wars. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I like I said earlier, Canto Bite can stay. You just have Finn, Poe, Rose, and BB-8 there. But let's throw in some some bounty hunters that people are like, oh, shit. Well, there's, you know, fuck, there's Dangar becoming, he, he's going through his transformation. Or, hell, maybe, maybe, man, Boba Fett, his... He might be a little old at that point in time, but there's potential there. Uh, maybe he had a baby with Fennec, and it's Fennec Fett now, mm-hmm. or Fett, Fett Shand. But yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, with he, you. I he think would Canto, have used it as Canto like a cameo heaven. Like, you're in a fucking casino, dude. Like, exactly. exactly. You know, like, exactly. It, there would have been cameos everywhere. You would have seen fucking so many people there. So. Yeah, you probably don't have slow scenes talking to these, like, horse things, or you worry much about the broom boys, but... Canto Bite 100% would have would have been a part of that. Yeah, yeah. So I agree there. So all yeah, right. I mean, like, I think the the, the, okay. the biggest we definitely hit on all of the the big stuff for TLJ. Well, Nick, oh, that means it's time to move on to, in my opinion, the the biggest tire fire of the sequel trilogy. And, and quite frankly, over the years, I've, I've become more of a appreciator of the prequels and a scholar, if I will. The Rise of Skywalker may be the worst Star Wars movie for me at this point in time. I know Nick, he's going right to AOTC. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get that. I get it. Uh, but but Tross, when you really think about it, it, it is fucky. Like, it is just, it is not good. And then there's, we understand the reasons for it, but even some of the choices that J.J. and Terry or whatever his name went with, you're just like, what? Did, did no one at Lucasfilm fucking look at this and go, really, dude? Yeah. I guess Ian, Ian could get a pop going, but like I said, we got to get the big poster reveal. There it is. This one is not my best. I tried to replace uh, Kylo's face in the poster this time because I didn't want to be accused of covering women and, and people of color's faces because we know how the world works these days. Uh, but there he is. Not my best, but we're here. We've made it to Tross. And I'm just going to kick it off with the, the, the easiest of fixes. No Ray Palpatine, period. She's either the lost solo or we stick as a nobody and we get some explanation through Leia in a flashback. And obviously, bye-bye the, the, the resurrected Palpatine. Yeah. yeah. Somehow Palpatine has not returned, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, the the biggest thing for sure is... Palpatine is not there. I think that where Kylo ended the in TLJ was actually a very good position for him to have ended in and for the storyline for him to continue. Because at that point, like if we if we establish the the Vader voice in his head and like him striving to be what his grandfather never could have been, like he achieved that. Like he he truly achieved that at the end of TLJ and by having another like force like oh well there's a dude above you still like you have done disservice to that character journey like you you have essentially cut the knees out from Kylo for no reason other than like you didn't want to use him as your primary villain so Ky- like yes Palpatine is gone like yeah what i what i put out there is like as a replacement because i think ultimately and i think you you probably would agree kylo at some point just like vader was gonna have a redemption probably at the cost of his life learning the lesson the hard way but i think colin was running with this but would you want another 
Sith master to kind of pop Mm-mm. up, maybe still on Exegol that no one knew about. What if it was, what if it was Maul? No. What if he, what if he made it through like George wanted to? No. Okay. No. And here's, here's what I want. So, so Kylo's, Kylo stays the big bad throughout. Yeah. But, and, and so the big, the big thing is, is that Kylo's downfall is not of somebody else's making. Kylo's downfall is of his own making. It's like, at the end of TLJ, he gets everything that he ever wants. He is the leader of the First Order. He is yep. he is in charge. He, like, for all intents and purposes, he is in charge of the galaxy. But he's also 26 or whatever. He's young. Like, and what he didn't understand is his ultimate downfall is that, like, when, like, like every Sith's problem is, like, when you're at the head, everybody wants you dead. And it doesn't matter if it's Hux if it's it doesn't have to be other force users he is now the head of an uh, of a galactic wide organization that is bent on oppression and control and he just he he's not ready for that responsibility so he starts to see like within his own organization that people are acting out on like acting outside of his purview well, like, it, it kind of happened, right? Hux started to, to spy and, and, and give information to the resistance because he hated Kylo. Yeah. And then it's like, it just, it, and then like, it's a thing that you see in other movies where like, like these, these, like the organization would build beyond his control. And then everything that he ever wanted, he realizes that he's achieved it. But everything that he ever wanted means that he has no control over anything anymore. Like, the, the 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 monster of the first order has has grown so far out of his control that like while he may be its figurehead there are people trying to usurp him there are people that are blatantly disrespecting his own orders and there are there are offshoots of his own organization that are starting to go do things that he doesn't want them to do and he realizes that like what i have built is going to destroy me and the like he grapples with it and he fights with it and 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 ultimately he realizes that becoming everything that Darth Vader wasn't like there's a reason that Vader saw that like there's a reason that that the good side of Anakin came out and realized that like if i do this it's not going to be my making it's going to be my unmaking and like really seeing him understand that like the Vader that he heard in his head was not leading him towards redemption. It was re- it was like leading him towards his downfall. And like then that's when like the voices of Anakin and Luke become more prominent. It's like, do you see? Do you understand why he didn't walk down that path and why he chose why Darth Vader chose what he chose at the end? Is the understanding that that darkness and that evil will never be a path to salvation. It will only be a path to ruin. And like at a certain point, he needs to be the one that destroys his own creation of the first order. Like he needs to be the downfall of the first order. So, so Nick, does he essentially do the Vader to himself? I would say like where he, he takes himself out to take out the first order. I wouldn't even say it would it would be like he's taking or, himself or, out or or does Ray still ultimately have to battle him at some point in time. Yeah, and and like I think that like 
Ray has that understanding too, because like now we have, we have established the bond between these two characters, like the familial bond between these two characters. When they're together in a scene, she's hitting him with that constantly. She's like, you know, right. you know okay, that yeah. this is wrong. She's, just like Luke was to Vader. Like, listen, man, I know the good's still in there. I know you're my dad. I, I can sense it. Okay. Yeah. Like you, and then you have that mirror of ROTJ where it's like, Ray knows now, like Ray knows the connection. If you just just made these, the original trilogy, it would have worked out. (laughs) But it's like, it would have been like, it would have mirrored it, obviously. I dig it. But like, it would have done, it would have done it in a, in a a very different way in a very interesting way. Cause it's like, they're fighting. Like you could have that same, I don't get like, have that scene on fucking on, on like where they're fighting on the remnants of the old Death Star. Like I thought that that was still a cool scene between those two characters, Mm -hmm. but like, Imagine it with the bonds that have connected them now being familial and like the understanding from Ray's side that like he knows that what he's doing is wrong. And like the, right. and, and like at that but moment, she also has committed, I'm going to have to kill my brother if he doesn't figure it out. Exactly. Just like Luke was like, I'm going to have to kill my dad if he doesn't figure it out. Exactly. And like, but then on Kylo's side, the whole movie Luke's in his ear and the whole movie the voices of Vader are starting to warp into the voices of Anakin. And that understanding is starting to creep in to Kylo, but he pushes back against it. And he's like, no, I, I know that what I'm doing is, is the path that I'm supposed to be on. But then every step that he takes, it feels less right. It feels less right until you have that moment where it's like, it's the ultimate point of, of discovery. Like the, like in, in, the end of ROTJ is in an interesting position because the leverage is in favor of the, of the rebellion. Like the, the, the surprise attack comes and, and you're in a position to where like at, at a time it feels squirrely, like at a time it feels squirrely, like, wow, they may not make it, but imagine if it's flipped. Imagine if it's the resistance that's down and out and you have the entire first order fleet hovering above you know, the, yeah, the, the yeah, home yep. world of, of, of the resistance. And it's literally like the trigger can be pulled, but Kylo stops it. Ben stops it. Not Kylo. Like Ben realizes right. that Ray gets him to snap out of yeah. it at the last minute. And like the, 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 just like in, in ROTJ, the beam, like it's powering up the beams coming up. And instead of, it being an explosion that it, you know, that kills the death star by the rebellion side. It's the leader of the first order himself taking down his own monster because he realized that, you know, and, and, and maybe it is at the cost of his own life. It's probably at the cost of his own life. Like, yeah, like, 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 like he almost does the holdo maneuver now. Yeah, exactly. Like he holdos his own fleet to, to stop the mis- the biggest mistake that he would ever make in his life. Would you, how about, would you, would you, maybe the, the, the hard change is when he thinks that he's killed his sister, like Ray's maybe, maybe he thinks he kills her and that's when he breaks or does she break him like Luke through battle and, and just beats him so down, maybe taps in the dark side a bit and he finally realizes it. Or does he potentially, think he kill her and that's when he goes like oh fuck 
you know, what, what have I done? Yeah. I think that both of those could work really well. Could, yeah. They, either one could, you could, because you like, could, I could see Dave doing it. Yeah. Because like, if it is like the, the, the expected, like, or like he feels her force essence wane after like he kills her quote unquote. And then it's and just then that's like, when he's like, Oh my God, you are my yeah, sister. Like, like you are a part of me. The immense sense of loss. And like, then truly the understanding of like, what if like, the, the, the Vader, like, what have I done? Like mm-hmm. the moment that Vader is looking at Luke on the, on the floor with electricity running through him, like, like truly that moment of understanding for Kylo, like, what have I done? And like looking around him and seeing that, like this, this monstrosity is at the be- is of my own doing. And like really understanding that to a level that he didn't understand prior and then, yeah, I think that there's there's a no, lot. No, you're right. Of I mean, that's the that. same thing. Like, listen, Vader got his ass kicked, lost to his son, it, but still went to the side of his master. It took a little bit more, you know, sun torture for him to finally click and go, okay, enough's enough. Like, what what am I doing here? So, all right, no, I I, I love that. I mean, with Tross, and again, we 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 would had to have gone into this with with the same thing. Carrie Fisher dies. Do you think Dave adds any wrinkles to her in this movie? Does he just say, you know what, fuck it, she dies off screen, we'll we'll deal for it and we'll we'll deal with it in dialogue, or does he still try to use Leia in an impactful way with her son? Yeah, and her daughter potentially, if if we're running with what we've been doing this whole segment. Yeah, I think that man, that's such a tough one because I think that there's. He would definitely want to try to use her as much as possible, but I just don't know if he goes to the lengths that they did with with Cross, where they, you know, like they use cut footage and and everything else like that. I I I almost feel like I almost feel like she, man, I don't know a death. That, that, uh, this this. I think you've done a fantastic job of of bandaging Tross, but the Leia stuff. It's is, so hard. It's imp- It's almost impossible because yeah. like, what could he have done? She was supposed to be the formula here was Han, TFA, Luke, TLJ, Leia, the last movie. But, you know, obviously she she died on a fucking plane and they had to do what they had to do. But yeah. she was supposed to be the big player. And, and I think in Colin's script, she may have potentially died at the hands of, of Ben trying to, to work him over or trying to get him back. But yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't even know if it's worth to try to figure out what Dave would have done. Cause it just, you, everyone's hands were so tied Yeah, because as Nick said, you could only use leftover footage from TFA. Yeah. And, and, and cause it. like you can't, you can't kill Leia off screen. You, I know. you, you can't like, <laughs> it sucks. And it's, Cause so then it comes down to Dave, like, well, how long do you drag it out? Like how long, like how long into this movie does she pass? And like what, what really, and like what they tried to do is like make her passing impactful and like her, she dies right as Ray stabs Kylo in the stomach. And I think that like in that, like that was a good moment in that film is like, you know, like his mother passing is, I I agree. is coinciding with like his, like a huge trauma to his life that, that could have killed so, so He probably would have done something similar. Yeah. I would imagine where, where, you know, Kylo feels it and maybe now even, Oh, I guess Ray kind of felt it too. Cause she's the one, as soon as she stabs Ben, she's like, Oh fuck. Yeah. what I just do? I just felt Leia kind of take a shot to the ribs too. Cause it's like, 
what you want with Kylo and in in T uh, or in Tross is what's the like what are the moments that to his realization, you know, start chipping away at that, yeah. that ignorance armor. And like one of those moments is his mom's death, 100%. And it's like, how do you do that in an impactful way? And I think that yeah. like what JJ and Chris did in that movie is like, they did it in an impactful way for how that movie was made. And I think that, that, that Dave would have tried to do the same thing is like, how can I take the worst situation possible? Like in real life and make it as impactful as possible in this movie. And I think it's like, like that's the first that's the first piece of the armor that comes off. Yeah, this would have happened early on. I mean, I could even see it, Nick, where maybe he gets a beat on their location and, and drops in with the Knights of Ren, just fucking goes through and starts battling his mom and, and, and takes her out. I mean, he tried to take her out in TLJ already, so we know he has it in him, even though he paused before he opened fire on her. You would think now, as Nick's saying, he's all fucking scatterbrained because he's going power crazy. He's all paranoid that people are trying to usurp him. What? So he's he's rolling through the camp and Dude. fucking takes her out and then is like, oh, fuck. See, what I what I think a better way to, to have done it is, is like, if he's rolling with the Knights of Ren, like, it would have been really cool to see, like, and this is going to sound weird, but I'll explain it is to have one of them kill him without him knowing. Oh, her, yeah. Kill, yeah, kill her without, kill Leia without him knowing. He feels it. And kills the and Knights then, of Ren. And then goes back, <laughs> and like when they come back together, he knows, and then his first response would be, I was supposed to do that. That was mine to do, and you're yeah, right. He kills the he guy He would have killed him immediately. But then after that, like, there's the initial anger of like, that was mine. But then yeah. just immediately, like the, the, just the pure sadness that comes Back through in his quarters or something. And then, see it. Yeah. Like, and then you just see that, like, not only did that, like it killed her, but it killed a part of him. And like, mm-hmm. and it like really sets into him. Like that's the first moment of realization or like the first moment of questioning that he has. No, you're right. You're right. That was way better than my, my dumb ass. Like, so I'm glad you picked that one up there off the floor. It was pretty poor on my part. <laughs> Cause it's like, it gives him the opportunity to like, it, to show both of those emotions. Like he kills yeah, look, that look night like a Ren, hard ass and f- yeah, like immediately. But then like, no, I dig it. Yeah. Like it's, I feel like that would have been such a cool that, way to handle I, it. I mean, honestly, that that's really the big stuff that would have helped Tross. I, I would have liked to seen an actual land battle instead of fighting on the the triangle of a star destroyer. You know, you let's keep Poe up there doing the space battle shit, but let's get Finn Poe. Uh, you know, what, what's her name? Conics or yeah. Leia's daughter's name. Yep. Let, let's let's get them in in kind of a ground skirmish. Hey, Return of the Jedi. We 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 had the forest battle. We had the space battle. We had the wizard battle. And, and that yeah. seems to be a formula a lot of us like. So I, I, I would have really that's that's kind of the only other thing. Obviously, Finn is much more developed in the force at this point. Him and Rose probably actually have a, an actual relationship. Mm-hmm. But they're they are the leaders of the ground battle, kind of like Han and, and Leia were. Yeah. And then Poe's the leader up there in space. And then obviously uh Ray doing her thing with the uh the magic space people. Yeah. And and like 
you know, a lot of what we talked about right now is obviously around like how you would change the primary narrative from like a, a world where it's Palpatine to not Palpatine. And that mostly affects Ray and Kylo. But like, mm-hmm. I think that what the, the situation that you're in now with, with Poe and Finn is that like Poe, and I don't think that they did a really good job in Tross of like really having that, like, like really empowering Poe as the leader of the resistance, you know, like, I think that no, he was he was now this time, Nick, like you said, yeah. instead of being with everyone, he now was with everyone. But as a general, he was ignoring his duties as leader of the armed forces. Yeah. And like, I really think that they needed to empower Poe as the leader of the resistance in that movie and like really not have him be like this bumbling, like, I don't know what to do, but like really taking the lessons that he learned in the last movie and applying them to what the Mm -hmm. situation is now and like showing him as that leader and showing him as that, as like the inspirational force behind the resistance. And then for Finn, it is like, like Finn is such a hard character to kind of like, what direction do you take him? Because like we were saying in the TFA part of it, like there's clearly force abilities that are latent within him. And what I would have really liked to see is like in those training montages where, you know, Ray was training, like to see him in there as well, like to acknowledge that, like. Exactly. And and then we see him kind of not not obviously coming to his full abilities, but through these ground battles, he's figuring out the tactics. He is doing some maybe he gets his lightsaber something like I mean, seeing like we all love from the Clone Wars, a fucking force user doing a charge. I mean, that like, come on. Yeah. And and he's already suited for ground battle. He was a fucking stormtrooper for Christ's sake. Yeah. So that is that's his I area. I mean, could you like we, it would be so awesome to see him as a former stormtrooper who was force sensitive and has now trained in the force running into battle against Sith troopers who are force sensitive <laughs> yeah. stormtroopers. They're essentially what he was. Like yeah. like him like fighting against his own kind from that era and like showing that like him leaving like him breaking his conditioning and leaving the, the, the first order and training under, you know, like, like training with Ray and under Leia, like has been like, has put him in the position to where he's now leading ground forces against force sensitive stormtroopers. Like that would have been really fucking awesome. But you know, like I think that, 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 that would have been a really cool, um, a cool avenue for that character to take is like is mirroring back to where he came from and and really accentuating his journey through that storytelling um i'm with you well yeah nick <laughs> i think we did it I, I think we did a pretty damn job a good job at at speculating what dave filoni through his cco role and the power that gives him what he would have done to the sequel trilogy. And it, it honestly gets me really excited. Too bad it's not real life. It's never going to happen. Sadly, these movies have been out for years now, many years now, in fact. And it just, it is what it is. And, you know, maybe I'm sure a lot of us will, will come to terms with it over the years, just like some of us had to have done with the prequels. But as Nick and I laid out, you didn't even need Dave Filoni in the room. You just needed Matt Haywood and Nick <laughs> Caminita. Yeah. Okay, so... 
thank you. You can send us, uh, you know, the your usual donations to where they go. We know we're awesome, but it's time to move into the fan segment because that is how much we love our fans. And this week, the question of the week is back. I know some of you got a little scared last week when my holy brain forgot to post the prompt. We got it down this week. It's in line with our special topic. So we are asking all of you... Kind of what what would you have liked Dave to have done in the sequel trilogy? And hopefully all of you didn't just go all and you actually mm-hmm. gave us some uh, pointed information here. So, Nick, while I'm fucking around with the screens, you can go ahead and. Yes, I have our uh, question of the week here. So our question of the week was which sequel needed Dave Filoni the most? <laughs> I have five of our responses here um, and they are, uh, they're kind of all over the place. They're, they're, they're not all the same, um, okay. but beyond the Dune sea kicks it off, which is, Oh, look at uh, these motherfuckers, uh, which is the, the podcast. It's probably Cause by. I went and talk, I went and talk shit on. Maybe so, today. Yeah. I Maybe. was like, no, they made a great point about Asajj Ventress and Gennady's clone wars. Mm-hmm. And they're like, look how angry Anakin was. Look at that. You could see. I'm like, hello. This is all I've been saying, people. <laughs> like, a, like a two minute short showcased Anakin's potential to fall to the dark side better than what we got in uh, Rots. But anyways, we love Beyond the Dune Sea. Thank you for the comment. Go ahead. So they, their opinion is, as much as I enjoy it, TFA, <laughs> if it had been strong, if it had a stronger direction and foundation, the trilogy would have been much better. Oh, no. Okay, these guys have nothing but bad takes. Yeah. Don't tune into them. Uh, this is a bad one. Uh, and he's, <laughs> they say, I think the cracks of TFA don't start to form until you get to the other films because it's presented in such a fun, safe way. But here's the thing. So, like, we just talked about it. It's like, TFA doesn't have cracks. The other movies didn't follow up on the on the things that TFA set up. So th- yeah, it's not it's an interesting it's an interesting argument they're making there. Yeah, I mean, like, I I, I kind of see what he's saying, but I I personally felt that they they like you said things were set up on a platter to be handed off, and they were just like just like Luke and the lightsaber. Whoop! Yeah, they were just thrown the out shoulder. of the window. So you <laughs> can't ya. really blame TFA for the fact that the other movies didn't follow up on the very obvious things that they were being asked to follow up on. That would be like if you, you know, if you bought a car from somebody and they were like, okay, you know, make sure you do your oil changes, make sure you change your brake pads, blah, blah, blah. And then you don't do an oil change or a brake pad change for years and then you call the guy back and you're like this car fucking sucks it's like <laughs> but it is is it that guy's fault he told you exactly what to do like yeah, yeah. That, you make a good point <laughs> and so does beyond the dune see again we, we don't we don't rob anyone of their opinions we just try to correct them yes exactly so uh beyond the dune sea saying tfa i think that's why a lot of people don't like us because we are a little more in your face a little more direct and explicit with our language yeah so uh, they, their opinion is TFA. So very interesting. Um, <laughs> league of extraordinary six, sixthers says the most obvious answer is the rise of Skywalker. And I think that, uh, we tend to agree with you here at the star Wars time. Yeah, show. No, I mean, it, it, it's trash hundred percent. Um, noir Kaiser FX says all of them. And I Ooh. think realistically, uh, th- 
the entire purpose of this exercise that we just did here was to show that all of them could have used Dave Filoni's help. Of course, help. but you know, <laughs> I, I want I wanted the fans to be a little more specific because you can't really do much with all of them. So moving on to our buddy here. Yes, two seven nine seven Studios, our good friend Bad. He says easily rise of Skywalker. TFA was good and gave us all so much hope. As much as I'll uh, take shit for saying this, TLJ was good. Brought us the end of an icon. Definitely a bleak ending like ESB. Tross needed or need real direction. Could have pulled it to all together, but instead got lost. Um, we always said that, Nick, right? Even after TLJ, he said, listen, we understand the polarization right now, but you still have a whole movie to kind of iron this shit out. And no, that didn't happen at all. Yeah. <laughs> didn't happen at all. It was the complete opposite of what we were looking for. Exactly. Um, and then Ripic Tan here says, I think the whole trilogy would have been better off if he was involved or consulted no from the conception doy, of TFA. <laughs> yes. All right, yes. Well, we, we all understand that. Thanks he would for have playing been, everybody. He would have been there from the beginning. <laughs> Everything would have been amazing, but he wasn't. Yes. Actually, I got, I got beyond sent us a video to watch or I'll watch it. It, it seems interesting. A guy gives almost like, harvard level dissertation breakdown of the sequels and and what they are and i i need to check it out because i i as much as i was having fun with them there i i do respect uh, connor and, and seth and what they do yeah and um, look they're, they're clearly not as intelligent as nick and i but they have a good time and definitely mm -hmm. have a way better production and and look we understand that like what we presented is like that is like what we think would be cool like there are a thousand different ways that these no, Nick, movies we're right. could have gone you, you just, just let them know. We're, we're right. We know exactly what, like I told you, I channeled him. We're from the same city. I, I know his essence. I understand his DNA. So what we said is essentially the exact verbatim words that Dave would have said if you asked him the same question. Yeah. So yeah. We, we have channeled it straight from Filoni's mind to this thing. <laughs> and here's one thing that we could like, people like, like beyond the dude and see talking about TFA, like the hard part about TFA is like at like, ultimately it's hard to say what, what Filoni would have done d different in TFA. Cause TFA was the movie that like set the theme of what the trilogy was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So like, if you go mm -hmm. back and you make massive changes to TFA, then all you're doing is just making your own trilogy. Like if you just say like, well, it should have been this in TFA and this, like these people shouldn't have been in it. And this should have been the storyline. Then you're not like fixing the trilogy. Like you're not fixing the story of the trilogy. You're just writing a different trilogy. So like, that's why what we tried to do with TFA was like understanding that like TFA was the ground level that set what the trilogy yeah. was supposed to Just be need a little, a little more massaging, a little more enhancing, yeah. a little more details, a little nuance. And then like what we tried to do was like, take what was done in TFA, which a majority of people who saw it and, and a large majority of the critics who watched it said was very good. I mean, it's the highest rated Disney star Wars film, maybe next to Rogue one, like critics loved it. Audiences loved it. You can say that it was too close, but whatever. Like it set a good precedent for what it was supposed to be. So what we tried to do was like, how do you take what was done in TFA that everybody enjoyed and really like capitalize it on it? Yeah. yeah like, keep, keep that momentum running. So, yeah. All right. Oh, well, can't win them all, but it is time for the top five. 
five Star Wars fan artist features of the week. We do it every well. Nick drops them Monday night. StarWarsTime.net. Don't forget about that. Give us some clicks and shit. Hit an ad while you're on there. But the way this works on Instagram, StarWarsTime.show. Please use our hashtag StarWarsTimeShow. But more importantly, use the function ad tag at StarWarsTime.show. That is the pool that young Nick pulls from to select the top five each week, which we then honor on Tuesdays as we close out the show. All right, my friend, who we got? To kick off this week in the top five, we have at mindtrick underscore photography. And what mindtrick photography is giving us is is potentially a a look into Vader's training regimen. This is how I'm taking this, is that, uh, you know, like... I like it, yeah. Vader, when he trains, he just just kills stormtroopers. Like, he he knows that that there's an infinite supply of conscripts out there that can be pulled into his service. So he's just like, you know what? I need some lightsaber training, so I'm going to go chop up some stormtroopers. We got plenty left, so let's just continue. Like, I'll just use these guys as, as lightsaber fodder. And, um, yeah, it's, it's funny to see he's essentially bisected one completely in half. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then the other one, he's choking to death. That's just standing behind him. Uh, vintage Vader, just, just wiping out those around him that he feels, uh, need to feel his, his uh, wrath. Exactly. You know, Nick, when I get frustrated, I may kick a trash can or bite my finger. Darth Vader takes two of his stormtroopers and murders them. Exactly. So. Exactly. It, it sounds good. I, I do dig it. And this is at mind trick underscore photography, like Nick said. Indeed. Next up is from at Tong Wars. And Tong Wars is usually known for his incredible uh like uh Lego photography that he uses this like reflecting pool near his house to get these incredible like golden hour shots with the reflections of the Lego figures coming up from that pool. But what we see here is a different take from Tong. So we have Lego photography still, but it is the the Jetta showdown. So what you see is a bunch of uh, weathered stormtroopers and 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 uh, uh, tank troopers here on Jetta preparing for the oncoming onslaught of the rebellion or the the rebel cell that's on Jetta that has caused uh, a bunch of ruckus. And it's just a really cool shot. Uh, of these Lego stormtroopers like preparing for battle on Jedi. How can you not love Lego Star Wars minifigs? I mean, honestly, when I look at a shot like this, I just go, why the fuck did I start with Funko Pops, which are so big and clunky to carry around the shoot? Then I go to Black Series figures, which won't fucking stand up unless you nail their goddamn feet to a table. And then the Hot Toys, which are even harder to shoot because they're a bigger scale. I could have just went with these little fuckers. Yeah. Because they're awesome looking. Just like Tong Wars does in every shot. But I, I just, I love Star Wars Lego minifigures. And that's why we love this shot. I mean, look at those little trooper buckets, the little shore bucket. Mm-hmm. They're fantastic. Tong Wars, get some. Absolutely. At Tong Wars on Instagram. Next up, we have. You're on a Vader kick this dude, time. Dude, huh? these Vaders, they all look real He is nice. the man. I mean, he's a sexy bitch. There's no doubt about it. 100%. And Umbra toy photography, or Umbra toy photos on Instagram knows that too. Um, and we got a shot of, of Vader himself again, wreaking havoc. Uh, he, he, it seems like he's just fighting, 
uh, like he might be, have made his way onto the Radis. I don't. I can't tell if that's actually Admiral Akbar, just another Mon Cal uh, yeah, in the Cal background. Of some sort, yeah. sure, yeah. Uh, he's force choking a Mon Cal in the background. You can see his stormtrooper buddies fighting at his side, deflecting lightsaber or deflecting blaster bolts into uh, people in front of him. But just the the pose that Vader has with this awesome atmospheric smoke at his back that like fades into a red smoke off to the right of the frame. Just like the pose, the atmosphere, the, the intimidating presence of Vader and the action around like this shot just sings with, with Vader's ultimate evil. Yeah. He looks, looks great. And apparently this is the new SH figure arts Vader going around. I'm not sure what era Vader that is, but he, it does look like a damn good Vader, much different than the figure arts Vader I have, which is much more Japanese looking, if okay. that makes sense. Um, but yeah, no, Umbra is a, a, a kick-ass mofo out there. Uh, newer, probably within the last year or so, but great detail, nice scenes crafted, good posing, great lighting. So a, 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 a an account you definitely should follow at Umbra Toy photos 100 percent. next there's mr nine nine ninety seven could should just be a, a permanent i know marker right? on, on the top five it's the like dude's so fucking good and he produces so much content it's like every week i go through it and i'm like there's like what, 96 six shots from him like, yeah yeah 97 <laughs> tagged us in five of them but like i just he was just in the top five so he there's always a break between 97 underscore know, parsecs underscore Did you see the avatar crossover I one? Did. That was pretty I saw cool. The, I like saw the, the scale avatar. he got with the little stormtroopers compared to the Navi. To the Navi. Yeah. Loved it. It was fantastic stuff. But what we see here it, from, from Robert is uh, Neo Boba Fett, as we uh, refer to him here on the Star Wars Time Show, on a battlefield. And this battlefield is just filled like... What what can you think of in Star Wars? It seems like 97 put it on. We got Gamorreans. We got Rancors. We got TIE Fighters. We got uh, Stormtroopers. We got Boba Fett on here. Like, he's got all of these things on this massive battlefield. A Rancor is biting the head off of a Stormtrooper. You got Gamorreans cutting down uh, Stormtroopers. You got a crashed uh, TIE fighter there in the background. And then Boba Fett just standing victoriously on the body of his fallen foe, staring down on a, on a victorious field of battle. I mean, like this, (laughs) this is the daimyo everyone wanted in the book of Boba Fett, just, you know, kicking ass, taking names, bringing all his toys with him. The the nice touch here outside of that, that kick-ass, you know, one twelve scale tie chassis, is is Boba bringing his little pet Rancor with him in yeah. the background? I, I like that's a nice little background touch, but awesome strong pose on Boba. I love that he's taking out this one trooper literally with his boot on his throat, kind of sitting there like, oh yeah, how's that feel, buddy? Let's move on to the next one. Yeah, always dynamic looking scenes, great coloring, perfect lighting. This is at ninety seven underscore parsecs underscore photography. One hundred percent. Next up in the top five is at. Nick's toy picks with two S's at the end. And that one, or this one here is of our good friend, Luke Skywalker from Mando season two finale. As he steps into that hallway shrouded by his, uh, by his Jedi tunic and his green lightsaber ignited. And then you just look at this. You can like look at this shot and you can just picture the entire hallway scene 
from Mando season two in your head. Like you just see him oh, mowing yeah. through those dark troopers. The music, just, yeah, it's it's like that light guitar, dang, dang, everything. Still one of the, the fantastic one of the, one of the top five Star Wars scenes, probably. If you really think about it. hell, that's a that's a special topic right there, Nick. Hold on. <laughs> Best Star Wars scenes. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I got my rainy day here. Go ahead, Nick. You can keep talking yeah. if you want to. Best Star Wars scenes. That this definitely falls into it. And, and I, I like that though. I like that. What All makes right. this shot is just like the the way that Nick's toy picks kind of has the blast doors. Not all the way closed yet, but closing. So you get this incredible ray of light coming across oh, yeah, the shot. Yeah, yeah. The atmosphere in the background, slight use of smoke in the background. And just that, just the pose, the the minimalistic pose of just having Luke there with the hood up, the saber ignited, and that, that fist semi-clenched. Because we know right, that he uses that when he gets into the hallway and I've got that Luke right next to me. You can't see us because we're in small mode right now, but there he is. That's my guy, Mando Luke, just sitting there waiting for his picture to be taken. I should send him the Nick's toy picks. Yeah. It, it ain't going to get that treatment here. So that's it, man. That is a fantastic shot here from at Nick's toy picks on the Instagram. That's the end of the top five. And that's the end of our show for this week. All right, my Go man. Go ahead, Matt. Do close it. us out. As he said, it's been a, a long and fun one. So hopefully if you're here the whole time, you're not sleeping or wanting to slit your throats. We love you all, but we need you to keep recruiting those people to come to the SWTS, be it when we do the live streams, podcast platforms only, whatever you got to do, we crave the bodies. We need the worship. And when I say we, I'm never talking about Nick. It is myself and the little mouse I keep in my pocket. So um, in all seriousness, though, don't worry. You can always find us on the internet, StarWarsTime.net. We got our YouTube links there, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. You can get all that information from StarWarsTime.net. Not to mention, if you prefer podcasts, you don't want to look at our stupid faces. You don't want to see my rudimentary online Adobe Photoshop Express art then make sure to sub to the podcast on a platform of your choice because we are on the best ones. Spotify, TuneIn, Pandora, Stitcher, SiriusXM, via Pandora, we are everywhere, including iTunes. The important thing there, once you follow us, keep interacting. Leave those ratings. Leave those reviews. If you're on YouTube right now, let's get some likes. Let's get some comments. Let's get some shares. Because there's always time for Star Wars time. And we need you all to keep beating that drum for us as we slowly build our force of fans to 20 over 10. All right, my friends, don't forget, if you listen to the Star Wars time show, the force will be with you always. Always.